everybody, and welcome to a very Christmassy episode of The Televoid. It's the, far, the first of our three Christmas episodes. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Mark Kate Elliott, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, LaToya Ferguson. Hey, LaToya. Season's greetings! That was my impression of Mora. <laughs> hey, LaToya! And we are joined by returning special guest, Ryan Tumabing. What's up, Ryan? Hi, everyone. I guess season's <laughs> greetings as well, so... Yes. <laughs> but no, you have so, to give like, the high-pitched greetings. Greetings. Not greetings. <laughs> I try and over overcompensate for how deep my voice can be normally. So I'm like, look, I have a normal voice. <laughs> anyway, so if you couldn't tell by that intro with the season's greetings, our theme for this Christmas season is going to be episodes titled season's greetings. So fingers crossed they're all terrible. This one was definitely uh, missable. I- I think in what, some ways. Remember really what uh, other shows we're doing? We're doing Lois and Clark, mm-hmm. which is also season's greetings. I'm not sure if I would say that these are all terrible. So oh, just, say by the bell. Yeah, the well, that's probably terrible. But like, yeah. that's gotta be terrible. Products of their—they're definitely all products of their time. That's for sure. Although, and they're all products of their titles. So Sliders is definitely ahead of its time. Yeah, and I will oh, say yeah. this is this is a this is a very troubled episode, but I still enjoy a lot of it, and yeah. I love the concept of the show in general. So. So bear with us. It's probably not going to be quite as like this is totally trash compared to what we usually watch. But well, the fact that they all are out. titled, they're all punny, like ridiculous seasonal episodes. It's going to be pretty easy to find some flaws, I think. Um, so anyway, so this episode, if you've never heard of Sliders, Sliders is essentially uh, the best show <laughs> that no one talks about. So Ryan, you also watched the show before, or you just rewatched it all? No, no, I watched it when when it aired. Uh, not a lot of episodes, though. It seems like since I did rewatch it before doing this, and I don't remember a lot of the episodes. Um, it's very heavy. Every episode, I'm, a sh- I'm like, this one's anything to go by. So I can see why you might not remember them all in detail. Oh, it's I- like a sci-fi. Personal favorite is the episode where they're in the world where there's a lottery and you win the lottery. Congratulations, but they're also going to kill you. Yep, it's it's like so it's like the lottery, the book. That's crazy. (laughs) So so this is the show. The sliders obviously are people sliding in between alternate universes. Mm -hmm. So they're there, they're themselves in every universe. But every time they warp into a new world, it's a new world. So it's kind of a Schrodinger's cat vibe. I'm gonna bring it up again later on, but it's also very Bioshocky kind of like a world. There's like a world where red is go and green is stop, and just like everything else is the same. It just happens to be different. That like it might be so subtle, but it's just it's also very Rick and Morty. If you've watched Rick and Morty, there've been a couple episodes that are like that where it's just everything's ourselves but we're just you know happening to be living in a world where uh you know there's like blobs of people walking around like it gets and, yeah, and it could be same. like really small too like oh there's a psychic who predicted lincoln's death so Lincoln yeah. actually hired this person and created this is that world. an episode yep and oh my god I didn't <laughs> watch this stupid well, show. And, and so he instituted like a like a psychic department in the u.s government and so they fucking hell man this show sounds great they're you know, predicting the death of JFK and Martin Luther King, and so they're all still oh alive, and all that stuff, so, but yeah. Watch the show, guys, please, if that is anything we can do, is and we it's can watch such a real, like, it's so nice to watch this episode after we watched that episode of Growing Pains, where Ben Seymour <laughs> just did not get what was happening, it's so, it's so nice to have main characters who get what's happening, and they're, they're like, we're, we're in, we know this. They're, and they're not, they're not just, like, they don't just know what's happening. It's like they they have committed. Like there's a point in this episode. We'll, we'll say to it. They're stuck swapping through worlds. It's not like it's they're doing it for fun. Although they, they try and do it for fun, but they're stuck like basically repeating worlds yeah. until they find their own world again, which is probably the odds of that are insane. 
Um, but so, regardless of that, they're kind of resigned to the fact that they'll never really be back in their home world. So when there's a point where one of the cast members, Wade, just says, like, nonchalantly to one of the other cast members, Hey, I'm, I'm never going to be seeing my parent, my, 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 my family again, my sister yeah. again. She says it's that. just, like, a fact of my life. I'm like, Jesus! Yeah, they're just, like, riding on the escalator, and she's like, She's like, I know I'm never gonna see my family again, Quinn. It's like, no big deal. <laughs> They're like in a mall during Christmas. I'm like, he, Jesus, he should have jumped well. right into it. But so I don't want to. I don't want to breeze too quickly over the cast. This fucking cast alone is insanity. So, okay, so they they warp into the, from this jungle world and they they stumble across a chapel and then like Which, a. By the way, the jungle world where the fact that Wade smiled at a guy basically betrothed her to him. Yeah. And yep. she had to have his baby. No, yeah, oh but God. I love because because you know they actually don't do that a lot. But uh, I think in the third season, uh, which is uh, what this episode is, you know, they do it more where it's like you know we uh, they land from another world and then we just hear like a snippet of it and it's great. Mm-hmm. It's like because you can just imagine what the heck. Yeah, know? the reference. I love Rembrandt. I love Brent, uh, Rembrandt's. Uh, I thought Man in Our World didn't take rejection. Well, it's like yep. <laughs> let's just say this uh, is a super feminist show. Let's let's say he's that. Not wrong. Considering yeah. Wade's untimely. Demise, spoiler alert. I Oh no. <laughs> it's yes. awful. Yeah. It's really right. awful. <laughs> I barely know her, but that's sad. Okay, so so this cast, that's what we're introduced to them all. And and I had never seen the show. I had heard great things about it from both you, yourself, Latoya, and, and Ryan when Ryan wanted to be on the this episode and other people. Um I definitely didn't know how insane it was, but I also had no idea. I knew Jerry O'Connell was in it, which is crazy. So this has Jerry O'Connell Unironically great. Like, yeah, he's the one. He plays who, his character is the one who created the sliding technology. Yeah, right. I mean, and he's, he sometimes he's super earnest, but it's it's great sometimes. Yeah. And he he really does. He gets real. I think he is. He should work a lot more than he does. I think he does obviously do some good stuff, but he gets really pigeonholed into that like pretty boy, like like dumb jock thing, which, which he's great at. And obviously he was wrong, still young here, so God, like this was closer role. to the time when he went from being you know like the fat sidekick to being hey Jerry O'Connell's cute now. Now we're so far removed from that. He's just like Very I'm cute. Jerry O'Connell and I'm hot. So Thir- yeah, exactly. And they, he gets he gets kissed in a lot of those roles. Where I, I think he just <clears throat> needs to branch out a little bit more than what he has right right now because it's hard to take him totally seriously. But in in this, it's like oh my god, it's so refreshing to see him as like a scientist. Like he's not even. No one makes jokes about how he's, like, a pretty boy scientist. He's just a scientist. Like, yeah, whatever. It's very, like, it felt very, to me, like, Jurassic Park-y in a weird way. Like, yeah, these are all attractive, good-looking, intelligent people who are just good at their fucking jobs. Not everybody's good, obviously. That's how the whole <laughs> shit goes down on Jurassic Park. But, like, they bring in people who are just great at their jobs and happen to look like models, essentially. And then B.D. So. Wong shows up to ruin everything. <laughs> But so, so they, so they, they, they introduce them all, like, in, basically they're all hopping out of the portal one at a time, and it's, again, it's so upsetting, because it's like, oh my god, everybody who comes out of the portal is, like, amazing. So, so we first see, uh, obviously John Rhys Davies is another main character on the show, which is before Lord of the Rings. Before, Far before Lord of the Rings. Yeah, for, um, I know he's been in Raiders, obviously, so that was mm-hmm. post-Raiders, but I think he was most famous for Lord of the Rings in at least this generation. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has done... Like, oodles of shows before and after. This is just, like, I think his, you know, TV version or something? Like, his TV... At least American TV. Yeah, obviously, besides Gargoyles. (laughs) But that was (laughs) was a voice. We can't forget Gargoyles, guys. But, yeah, so he's been in... Yeah, he would do, like, bit parts and things. Exactly. Like, and he he always had, like, a very famous theater career and and past TV career. But this is for a modern show to have John Rhys-Davies on. 
and it wasn't a crazy like I mean this was a crazy sci-fi show but it wasn't like such an like completely obscure sci-fi show it was mm-hmm. still kind of modern right? yeah it was kind like, of big it was, it was on it was really on Fox yeah and then they which is sci-fi. definitely yep. compared to some of the stuff I don't think he was on Red Dwarf but I'm saying this kind of show he was on was something he's been on stuff like that where it's definitely like accessible if you're really into that but you have to kind of go looking for it whereas mm-hmm. this is a show that was on like a network TV show it didn't I mean I mean honestly do... if you like just read his IMDb it's like the most ridiculous sounding he's been in everything. yeah no he's, yeah. he's one of those people so yeah yeah exactly <laughs> one of those, <laughs> one of those yes. yeah uh... been in literally everything yep. but yeah so um so he he's also in this um and then Sabrina Lloyd From I love Sports Night who God. deserved to be in so much more things yeah, Natalie I don't know what happened she was on numbers for a while I that liked means nothing numbers. to me yeah, I know. Same here. <laughs> she, was, she was good on numbers. I liked numbers. I know word, Mora. Like, why do you even listen to a word you say? I she know. was in some episodes of Ed. <laughs> no, I've never seen Ed. Ed is worth That's watching. That's where I draw the line. I watch numbers. And well, you're drawing the line on Ed, Mora. Do you know how great Ed is? We have to like, have uh, a discussion right now. <laughs> I know. It's probably great. I, I'm sure it is. But so. I have she's talking about Ed right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've never seen it. I'm sorry. Why are you, it, talk about. Why are you anti Ed? I'm not anti-Ed, I just haven't seen everything ever. It has Tom Kavanaugh, it has Jerry Bowen, it has Michael Ian Black. I should probably watch Ed, but yeah, so I haven't seen that. But I did love him in, like, a, a bunch of other things, and love her in a bunch of other things. I, she's she's usually always really good about bringing a certain, like, presence to everything. Like, she reminds you of, like, obviously, like, both physically and um, acting-wise, she reminds you of, like, a Catherine Irby or something, where she's got a very grounded performance for such insane plots. Like, everything I've seen her in, there is some crazy stuff going down, and she's always just, seems like a really normal person, all things considered. I just love like, her this episode, yo. She, it's kick-ass short haircut. Excellent. Oh, so good. And <laughs> she just seems so, like, this is how I would deal with the situation. Like, she's not irrational, mm-hmm. she doesn't do crazy stuff, she just kind of, she's a problem solver, and I really respect her. No, and, and the show gives her a lot of crazy stuff so to do and and other people they would be reacting like what is this like whereas she just i think she's just like yeah whatever this is my life like just kind of deals with it i don't know it's kind of hard to explain but i think she just she does a lot to help ground the show because i think all the other characters are a little bit more like up in the air i guess jerry o'connell's close to her in the sense that he's also a little bit grounded but he even is a little doofy on the show like he's great but he has his he's moments such a where doof. he's a little He's great, but that's, like, part of his thing is he's a little bit charming, like, rapscallion. So so for her to have this kind of, like, grounded, like, earthiness to her really makes the concept of people, like, literally swapping universes every episode totally relatable. Like, it, it seems like the kind of thing that would, on another set of cast members, seem absolutely absurd. And now the guy who plays Remy, I don't know him from as much stuff, but I also recognize him from some things as well. So I don't think he's quite as established but i still think he's a, he's great in this episode i as mean well. he's actually a tony award-winning singer oh, so he's theater. Theater. Yeah. yeah okay so he's definitely done other things as well i think i've seen he was him in, in like, the original dream girls oh wow okay That's oh crazy. wow yeah so he he's like um uh do we maybe since you guys have seen it all can you describe to me what they're doing there more or less like what their jobs are oh, in general, the show, O'Connell... like the in general premise of the show well, no, so I know the premise is what I, I described, but so Jerry O'Connell made the time thing. Yeah, he was a, a grad student who created the sliding technology. He actually, didn't he want to create time travel because he was trying to bring his dad back? Isn't that what it was? Oh, God, I don't dude. remember now. I saw the... Uh, hmm. 
I think it's when he intended to. Yeah, he intended to do time travel because he actually tested like a small version of it with his dog, and that worked. But what happens is that it actually got like bigger, and then it brought him and Wade and the professor, and then Rembrandt, who was actually like a separate person who was just driving. He was just driving to a gig, brought him into the fold. Yep, he was Aww. driving like you know by the street near the house. Yeah. Oh, got sucked into the vortex. Great. Oh God. But yeah, so that's basically... So I, I, you can tell the way they talk to each other, they have an established relationship. They didn't need to go into it because it's season three. Obviously, if you're watching this, usually you'd know that by now. <laughs> but I was like, they're calling them professors, so I guess that they're all, you know, obviously scientists, but you just don't know exactly. So that, that explains that. But so they jump into this world in particular, and it's already Christmas time. They have a little um, manger going on right outside the chapel they land near, and they decide to, like, go in and see what's up. So they walk into the chapel, and right away, the episode, like, begins crazy at a fever pitch and just kind of stays crazy, because a woman walks up, hands her baby to John Reese davies to hold while she's doing something, and as and soon then, as she did that, as soon as she did that, I was like, oh, nope, 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 nope. I know, that seems shady. The, the birds are too busy show. focusing on a baby. And I'm like, oh, and I'm like, what is she, and then, of course, me, I'm, like, waiting for the shoe to drop, so I'm, like, watching the lady, and she just literally fucks right the hell off. Like, she's like, <laughs> Literally hands the baby and just keeps walking out she the room. Books and I was it. like, whoa. And so she says she's going to light a candle in the church. And of course she doesn't. She just keeps going. And of course then when um, uh, Wade, who is the uh, Sabrina Lloyd character, she comes up and she's like, where'd this baby come from? And he's like, oh, it's this. Wait a minute. Where'd she go? And then he freaks out because she just and literally the guy, left a baby. Wait, the guys were, all three of the guys were so smitten by the baby. I know. They're like, oh, cute baby. So cute with his green sweater or something. It's really I have cute. to say, I actually, I didn't even notice that, but that's a really nice touch, though. You're right, Latoya. It's really only the, especially John Reese davies but it's only the guys that are so smitten with the baby. You really hardly even see Sabrina yeah, Lloyd interact with We couldn't care less about this whole baby situation. <laughs> And they do eventually give the baby to the priest to watch after, so they're not, like, hanging around with the baby the whole time. But you're not getting a ton of, like, I, other shows, lesser shows, would probably make it, like, Sabrina Lloyd, like, oh, this baby needs a... Like, it would make it all about, like, her struggle as a woman to see a baby alone. In, in fact, she just thinks the professor is, like, kind of obsessed with Calm this down. whole thing. Exactly, exactly. And and I, not to say that there's anything wrong if you're, if you're you know, super pro-baby, I guess. But, it would but be to so me, I'm just difficult. like... Yeah, exactly. It's a little bit different. It's refreshing to see her not even interact with the baby, pretty much. She's kind of just, you know, oh, what's this baby here for? And then um, they give it to the... So once he, she runs off, they... Originally, John Reese davies tries to find her, which is like, they don't even know where they're going, and he just already knows how to figure out a way to find her. He goes running off through the church, trying to find her, and he sees her getting onto an employee bus for the I Sky mean, of, that, of those three guys, the, guys, the guy I'm going to tell, like, chase someone is Jerry O'Connell. I don't, he's basically a quarterback, right? Like, I, there's a scene later on where he tackles a guy like he's literally first string, and it's crazy to me that <laughs> they didn't one. have him. And John Reese Davies is in better shape here than he is as he's older, because I know him mostly in older things. Although he was obviously in good shape during Indiana Jones, but he definitely is in really like mediocre shape compared to Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> like he looks again like an all-star quarterback. That's what he usually gets cast as. Um, so. He's the one that goes after. I guess maybe because he saw the woman. Although I think Jerry O'Connell was standing right there. So regardless, he can't get to her. He, she gets out before he can mm-hmm. stop her, and she goes off to her work. I guess. But again, it's so creepy to me because the way she hands him off and then walks away, it's not like she runs. It's like she just casually keeps yeah, she walking speed walks. and never stops. It's creepy as hell. It seems like a, like kind of like a like a twisted. Because I knew this was like an alternate universe thing. So at first I'm like, oh my god, is she like 
evil or something? Like, is this, like, how they, like, get people or something? Like, it was some kind of a trick? <laughs> Although, it really Baby wasn't. scam, see? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who knows? Like, in some of those, I-, I only know based on, again, like, well, Bioshock doesn't really do that much of it, but, like, Rick and Morty has some really weird alternate universes, so I was like, maybe they, like, Where people just give someone a baby and book it, and that's the, the-, the play? <laughs> Ah, who knows? Yeah, no, like, there's I some mean, crazy some of those stuff, stuff happening. Could be random too. I mean, that's why I, I do like the show because you're you yeah. have no idea what the next episode. Exactly. Is. It could be a world where, like, exactly. if you have a baby, then you're like gonna be sentenced to death or something. Exactly. exactly. That's exactly. what I was thinking. So. I was like, oh no, she just like passing the baby like it's like a death knell. <laughs> and it's, instead, it was like, no, I just want you to hold this baby for a while. I was like, all right, all right, I get it. But so, um, <laughs> so. Uh, then we get the credits, which is, I love the, the credits, yes. thank god they have this, like, the whole premise Give me early edition in- flashbacks, I think I mentioned sliders when we were doing the early edition episode. Yeah, I, probably I get two of papers today, you see. You see? You see? You see? And it's just, it was so helpful, because again, like, I jumped into this having no, I had a, a basic concept of it was time travel, or, like, space travel, quantum travel, but this really kind of lays out the gist of what this show's about, which is, you know... I I made a device that lets us slide through worlds, and then you get to see, like, the wormhole and everything, and you get, like, those, like, creepy, like, such, like, 90s Okay, can um... we talk about, like, so everyone has, of course, like, their, their cast, like, pose and everything. Sabrina right. Woods is the only one that's specifically a pose made for the credits, right? Those are all, the rest of them are poses from episodes, but, like, Sabrina Lloyd is hers, like, staring at the camera, and here I'm posing for this. No, and I love it. It's, she it's looks so amazing. weird, though. She looks, like, no, she looks phenomenal. Weird. It's so yeah. weird, though. Why? Yeah, I didn't, why couldn't they all that. get that? that? Amazing. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, we're just gonna all stare at the camera awkwardly like that. But so they they introduce them all, and I don't. I, do they? Does he actually describe who they all are? I feel no. like no, no, maybe not. No. Okay, I, I, to me, I'm like, okay, that's him, that's him. But he describes the the gist of what's going on, and then uh, we get introduced immediately to. The Sky High Plaza, yes. as it's called. Wait, you forgot how it ended the uh, opening credits with Sliders. Sliders. <laughs> Which I love for some reason. I, I don't know why. It's the best. But... I do too. It's so, like, late 90s it's that so, you have to, like, so whisper. There needs to be a like, reboot of this damn show and they need to keep the whole intro. This would be oh, an God. amazing reboot. Do you understand now why I'm always saying that Sliders needs to be reboot? Well, I think the closest we've gotten, I really do, I honestly do, if you haven't seen the show, I really recommend it. I didn't think I'd like it as much, because I don't really watch a lot of animated stuff, but Rick and Morty has very strong elements of this, but it's still different. Like, it's too different to consider it a reboot. I actually said, at, like, uh, during the other night that uh, this, like, a modern day Sliders could be, like, a, like basically a sequel to Fringe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It has a very fringe vibe. It's like fringe without any fangs, but in, like in a good way. Like <laughs> I, you don't you don't want all that. Like sometimes you watch a show and you'll get emotional during the show, but then you can turn the show off and you won't be like ruined for the rest of the afternoon. Fringe is not really. I haven't seen Fringe, but Fringe does not seem to kind of show that you could do that. Like it just seems like it's gonna. You s- just like negated your entire like point by saying I haven't seen Fringe. So, but no, I know shows like that. It's X Files. It's other shows where they just they kind of hang on you, like, oh my god. Like, but I, would, like, I would disagree with you on your point about Fringe, though. Well, I don't know. But everyone I know that's seen Fringe seems, seems to act like what every the act of watching Fringe is like stabbing themselves repeatedly. I mean, it gets it's intense, worth it. but there's also fun episodes, obviously. So right, obviously like, that's why I, I partly I want to watch it for those, but I'm always like, I don't know if I can handle it. Sure. But so, but so it's just a lot of heavy, heavy plot, like really, like it's like watching The Wire. Like you could talk about it all day, but it's gonna a be white person really brought messy. up The Wire. Take a shot. <laughs> 
Uh. But so anyway, so when you when you when you see a show like this, it's like oh, it kind of has the same like similar like plot and episode concepts where it's you know alternate universes, weird stuff going on, but it's not quite as heavy. It reminds you of like a Eureka. Like Eureka eh, no, is very it's, similar. It's, it's heavier, especially like, like I know the, it's the weight thing. She's basically like Ryan. You know what happens to Wade, right? Ah, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, she's basically sent to like this camp where. They're not technically aliens, though, uh, the Cro-Mags, uh, but it's basically she's being raped. She's being used to, like, oh, God. Pop, like populate for this species. Like, that's what happens to her. That's how she's written out. That's horrible. And I actually yeah. stopped watching Snyder's after that, sort of. Understandable. Good, good it, it was a huge clusterfuck behind the scenes, mostly yeah. if, because of the network. It was 100% because oh, yeah. of the network. Right. Yep. Well, uh, yeah, and I don't mean to compare. It's obviously not, like, a carbon copy of anything, but I think besides those, like, those... Uh, ongoing beats that travel through a season, the episode-to-episode parts of this are not quite as, like, I don't know. I, I feel like this is better. I like that. I don't want, I don't always want a show that's that's watching it is absolutely devastating every episode. Like, this well, is I, I do want that. I think that if not for network interference, I feel like Sliders could have done it phenomenally. Right. But, yeah. I don't know. Like, there's so many just drop plots. Like, I believe it's season four when we have, like, Professor is replaced with, like, an alternate universe, universe version of Professor, and they never actually get to address it because of, like, the clusterfuck behind the scenes. What? And it's, like, an evil person, too. And they just Is don't ignore it. Is it still played by pretend... Davies? Yeah, they just pretend it's, like... What? <laughs> they just move on pretend it's still him when you know it's not, That's but then they just n- never acknowledge it. Again, that reminds me of Rick and Morty, but at least they acknowledge that kind of stuff. <laughs> that, but yeah. that's, this is because of, like, network interference yeah. and... Constant changing the creative things behind the yeah, scenes. Yeah, but so, but what I mean is that I think this is a lot more accessible for like a I could watch a random episode and enjoy it, oh, and I won't feel like I'm gonna be. Definitely for sh- yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm not gonna be pinned down with like, oh my god, I can't even understand what's happening right now. So I mean, more of I guess like it's not quite as serialized, although it obviously is because I. And, uh, well, watching this episode, I had I had certain things I wasn't sure about, but I still was able to enjoy it. And speaking of the clusterfuck with the network, I mean, they actually aired like all the episodes completely out of order. It's, like, they, ridiculous. And especially the episodes where it's like, oh, and then this ending continued to, like, this beginning. I it's, know, like, I completely, know. complete nonsense. It's, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. And so. it's not even one of those things where, like, we're gonna, oh, we're gonna play the better episodes first or something. Yeah. Like, I mean, for no. the most part, it works because a lot of the episodes are very, like, you know, close-ended and things like that. And Yeah, but, like, those. the season three premiere, I think it was, like, episode five. Well, that makes no sense. It's a premiere. And actually, it's episode... Yeah. Ep- uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was episode two or three or something. But yeah, I know. Oh, that's crazy. Well, no, I think they aired the actual premiere for like episode two, but I think that episode they aired as the premiere was episode five. That's oh, so right, because it was the uh, the Hunger Games episode. So, Jesus. Yep. yep. Well, yeah. So it obviously had some like literal flaws, but it also, I think, to me, I think it comes across as the kind of show where it's like, oh. I didn't think I'd like this as much, so I think if you haven't seen a show like this and you're looking for another sci-fi sort of show, it comes across as very... You could watch a random episode and find it enjoyable. Unfortunately, the, the, the network didn't keep it to the right airing order, so it might have seemed like small things, but I think over time it probably came across as like hard to follow if yeah. they're all over the place. Like Definitely. That. So if you're going to want to watch it right now, just go to Wikipedia. It's all there. <laughs> yeah, so. because honestly, how can you expect something to like last and keep ratings if, if viewers are completely 
confused by what's going on. Right. Yeah. So, so anyway, so they get, so they get to the Sky High Plaza after the credits, and it's pretty much, that you're introduced pretty quickly that the, the world is kind of obsessed with shopping and malls, because at the mall that they, they walk up to, there's, they find out based on the map, not only is the mall, like, the size of a city, it's got a residential part of it where people can live inside the mall and work inside the mall, and, like, pretty much never leave the mall. And they're kind of, like, immediately like, a little off-put, like, what? Which I I, I kind of enjoyed, because it's obviously christmas theme, so it's going to be, like, the consumerism's Christmas. But it was... I was off-put. Again, I, I'm not going to go into it at large, but I really recommend, if you like this show and you're, you're hearing us talk about it, watch or, or play or, or do something with Bioshock Infinite. It literally has the exact same, like, the floating city is how that happens in Bioshock, where you got the Columbia's up in quantum particles, suspended in space, it's at fixed height, all the Lutest stuff, it's flux pinning, it's great. If you like sci-fi, it's a great thing. But so, it freaked me out, because they literally have a shot of the mall, which is a really cool shot, which is why I like Bioshock. It's, you see, like, this mall just floating up in the air on, like, hovering on land. Like, it's super... But so it's just, like, a thing floating on a cloud in the middle of, like, the sky. It's very cool. And so... Yeah, and actually, the CGI is not bad compared to... It's not bad, exactly. I was like, wow, I'm I'm surprised. (laughs) I mean, this show obviously had probably some budget, but it was it was impressive. Uh, but so so the, they go Christmas shopping pretty much. They they figure out okay, the only way way to figure out what's going on here is to just kind of you know walk through and see what's up because I guess they're kind of used to it at this point. They're scientists. They're just gonna go, you know. Only two of them are scientists. Oh, are they, oh yeah, the clear. one guy's a musician. musician. So and Wade's not just like a coworker slash. Yeah, girl Wade that has a crush is on him. Quinn's coworker. They both work at a computer store. So. Oh, so that explains the little hacking bit. Okay, that makes a little... Not that she's, like, a hacker. It doesn't explain the hacking bit at all. That's a little lot, I guess, then. But either way. Or I guess that she fails. Maybe that explains it. But, uh... Well, no! Like, well, he says, like, a multi-level security system. It's like, there's just a password on the computer. I know, I had had questions about that. The 90s, man. Yeah. Uh, But so, so they they introduce themselves to the the city, which is the mall, again. And everything, every turn, every corner they turn, there's, like, people, like, 10 gifts high stacked on their arms like walking around it's like clearly everyone's just constantly shopping um on their way to, they're starving too because i mean i'm sure you work up an appetite jumping through dimensions and they were like oh let's go find something to eat and on their way to like to find food they see a guy like his bracelet lights up as he's running out towards them and he gets like tackled and escorted back inside i'm like well they really just breezed over that because it seems like it's gonna be because they kind of react like they all sort of stand around like well that's a little weird they've seen a lot exactly exactly so i'm like but like to me i'm like um this is probably gonna mean something they're just like "Uh uh-oh like they kind of just keep walking like oh we'll figure it out time to get some food (laughs) yeah i'm starving though like we'll deal with it in a second but so they once they get to get their food the person gets uh, to me this is a little bit hard to believe because they got all the way all the way to the point where she like hands them the food and then she's like pay for it like, no, they make you pay for it before they make the food. Well, no, because this way, when you make it resist, like, you resist it, it's like, now they want it even more, basically. Oh, the whole yeah, thing is right. making them greedy. Yeah, yeah. so that's, they're, just, they're putting the food out, basically. So if, if you can't pay for it, now you have to feel even worse for that. Exactly. And so he says, she says, oh, no, you can't pay with cash. You have to pay with your debit or your workers. And then she puts card. it back, by the way. Quinn still totally steals a fry. Does she? I didn't see that. That's hilarious. Quinn. He. Oh, he. Sorry. I didn't see Get that. Get your names right. Jeez. No, Quinn is Jerry O'Connell. Yep, yep. Yeah. No, okay. but right. actually... He definitely steals a fry. I actually, like, you know, really found out hilarious because when she brought the uh, the food, it's a recurring thing that in a lot of the worlds that they go to, they have, 
you know, trouble getting food. So I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> uh, this world, they're going to get food. And it's like, oh, no credit. Never mind. <laughs> so how are off. they eating all this time? No, no. I mean, they obviously get food, but, you know, there's Eventually, like, you know, okay. one or two, like, like, you know, instances like, oh, I want a hot dog. Oh, yeah. We don't know what that is. What is that? Like, you know. What's a hot dog? Yes. That sort of thing. But yeah, it's, but, the yeah. sad thing is that, of course, that Wade has, like, the hot dog base. She's like, oh, yes, food. She's got basically about to bite down on the hot dog. And she's like, um, that'll be $28. And she's like, I don't have 28 I only have cash. And she's like, ah. Which, um, then they, they're, now they're on the hook, basically. So, when they, they explain, like, oh, please, we're starving. We need food. She's like, okay, I can try and help and get you guys a job. So, she goes and asks these two random employees that work there to help her find, they're looking for seasonal help, pretty much. Because when you become a seasonal helper at this mall, you're automatically signed up with a debit card and a, they keep calling it, is it like a worker's card or something? It's it's, some... it's just a debit card, yeah. Okay. But they describe they have like two other, there's like- And also housing. House, that's what it is. They have a housing card and then the, the, the debit card. So one one gets you free housing to live there on the it's site. It's just one card. Oh, one they, card. they actually have housing. Yeah, Yeah, and one card gets, a, it's like a credit card basically. They're saying debit, I think. Yes, right? but, but that, that, that has credit. all the money you need, yeah. Yeah, and so so she's like, oh, here, let me introduce you to these two uh, people that work here. They'll help you out. They turn around, and Wade freaks the fuck out because in this universe, they're working at this mall, but in her universe, they're her father and sister. Um, and it's pretty sad because I guess that she has to deal with this a lot. Or no? Well, they have to deal in general with, like, family members. Because, yeah, usually they'll see, like, a family member, and they'll be like, hey, and it's like, then they have to pretend basically to be the one that's in that universe or something like that. So is it always the same? Obviously, it's probably the same girl and and guy. Well, this is the only time we see Wade's family, I yep, believe. Oh, is time. it? Yeah, it is. Oh wow, I'm amazed by that. Wow. And so, how about the other ones? Have we seen other people's family members? Yeah. Did we see Jerry O'Connell's dead dad? Yep. Yes. Yep. Oh God, when was that? Like early on? Oh, yeah, but that's probably season one, I think. Oh, that is it. Devastating. It's I'm like, sure. it, and it's like. The world's like exactly like theirs, except for the oh, fact that his dad is alive. No. But it's just God, like it's not different? their world. Is it like some other shoe that drops. It's just, no, no. It's, this episode was uh, when when we meet his dad is um, it's the technophobic world. Um, and Jerry Connell's character Quinn. Oh yeah, it seems it seems ex- yeah, it seems exactly like it, except for the dad thing and then technophobic. Yeah. Yeah. So it, uh, in that example, or in other ones, I, that's what I was wondering. Obviously, this this didn't end up perfect. I mean, there was there's still flaws to this world. But is there ever a struggle for them to leave a world? Oh yeah, like, all the time, oh, all the time. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that they get to some. Have they been to like some like really amazing worlds where like I want to live here even though my family's oh yeah gone? the one where uh, Rembrandt like he's still super famous and he's got like a great family and everything. Oh yeah, god, yeah. that's sad. <laughs> He's so basically they, Elvis, like in that world. And what keeps them from from staying? They like physically can't. It's Is just there something. They're not gonna like. They want to get home. They're not gonna. They're dis- moral people. Yeah, yeah okay, they just basically. make their decisions. Yeah, that's kind of really refreshing because again, I, we we happened to mention that in our last episode as well, the um, uh, throwing pains. pains episode, where it's like it's kind of nice to see someone like want to get back to somewhere, which is kind of refreshing even like, though growing is a terrible yeah exactly but it's like oh, okay like you could really honestly you could just stay somewhere if it's that nice you could just stay somewhere forever you could live your whole life so are they aging as they're jumping or do we not know that i well, believe not, they're aging so i mean yeah but it's just like they're they could be there for like a week or something or it yeah. just depends it's not like i guess in well, yes yeah, because it's the seasons, same amount of t- it's the same amount of time. Like, yeah, you know, right. So like and it hasn't been years. that long. It's probably well, been four years. Been four yeah, seasons, exactly. Yeah. 
But so I'm, I'm just curious because some some of those like alternate universes you could probably live a full in some shows and, and respects you could live a full life and then go to another one and live another full life so it's it's fascinating how that works so they kind of really have to parcel out their time trying to get back to their home universe which is kind of cool but yeah so in this one she sees her dad and her sister and like pretty much is, she treats it like she saw ghosts because she hasn't seen them in at this point probably three years or more and she's kind of devastated she's like I don't need this right now apparently like, I guess whatever happened before this was pretty trying she's already had a rough go of it and she's like I don't want not to sit here with the with my dad and my sister, who aren't even my dad and my sister, um, and she's r- really worried because at first, well, they, they they're very nice. They're gonna get the, the others a job, so they're happily like, you know, oh, we're happy to help. But then when it's their turn to look at her and like give her a bracelet, she's kind of preparing herself because I guess when the other guys have seen their families, they get recognized because they're still them. But in this universe, um, we find out later on. I guess spoiler alert: they don't know her. And she's like, what? How can they not recognize me? She's like, I guess I wasn't born in this universe. And we get to a much darker reason why she's <laughs> like, she was bo- kind of born, but yikes. But so they, they kind of just don't, re- they're unfazed by it completely. And it, it's even more devastating, I think, because then she just, she's they, she sees like the blankness on her sister's face. Like, who are you? Like, and she's just sort of terrified. Um, or t- sad. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so... terrified and sad synonyms. <laughs> but so, so she, she freaks out and, um, but in the meantime, she accepts a job happily. They all get their little, uh, their housing stipends. They're, they're. Yeah, yeah around the time when she says, I'm never spending Christmas with my family again, Quinn. On the escalator. As you do. Like, that's a completely normal line. Um, and then we get, they, they all become Santa slash elves, because that's the seasonal help. And Professor is Santa. Because of course. <laughs> and, I mean, they look good as the Santa and the elves, but again, I was already suspicious, because I'm like, how is something this big and this obsessed with consumerism and Christmas already in need of another Santa and elf? That should be like their- The Santa's probably in debt. Oh, true. True. But they should just, they should be like the- the like the king and queen like those are like the most important roles for anybody to be doing in seasonal help I would imagine but I guess not well they got fired basically we find out so they're there to replace the old Santa and elves um, and they're they're told their their allowance is two hundred dollars a day half of it goes immediately towards housing and you're you this is where I'm like okay I clearly understand what this world's about he says half or half of it goes to housing eighty bucks must be spent inside the mall like you have to spend it. That's it. Full stop. You must spend it. Um, and you cannot you cannot go a day without spending it or else you'll get, you know, it'll get taken from your paycheck, I guess. And you'll, you'll never get that money back. Um, and then you get $20 a day is what Remy says. He's like, yeah, basically, you're going to get $20 a day is what you're saying. <laughs> He's like, well, you know, I'm not going to say it. But yeah, it's basically what you're being paid. Which is crazy because... That's that's below. That's not even like a minimum wage. That's just nothing. That's, no, and if you're in debt, there's like it, mathematically impossible to impossible. Like, it's just like who who came up with this math? And, and we know who came up with this math. But who yeah, who is agreeing to this? It's crazy. It's so clear. But yeah, no desperate people. And we find out. I do appreciate that they have the other element that we find out later on. Because at first I was like, who would just agree to this? <laughs> I would hear those terms and turn around, but they, you know, yeah, yeah. they're focused on getting that food and yeah. figuring out what the hell's going on. Exactly. They're not really desperate thinking people, about themselves. Yeah. I mean, you exactly. guys apparently just have like more faith in Americans than I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just mean I wouldn't do that. So hopefully, there's at least a couple of the people that would that would just a couple feel the same way. Just I don't know. Yep. But so then we get um the the terrible. I mean, I wouldn't call her terrible at first. She's just a little bit awkward. But uh, sister... she's, she's great with her power suits. What are you talking about? 
I know, but she's a little creepy. She hits on Jerry O'Connell. How is that creepy? Well, not creepy, but it, a little <laughs> forward because it's, I guess, awkward. I mean, my note is Quinn's gonna fuck Wade's sister. <laughs> I was gonna say, he's the one that sort of, you know... He's the why, was he so, why was he so okay with that? Like, isn't, he did it right in front of Wade, too. I know, what right? There's probably something there between them, right? Or no? Wait, what? Was there not something between Wade There's and There's a him? thing. He, he likes to play daft about her feelings for him. That's sad. There's a He's world a where they're boy. both married, could not by the do way, better. So that was an interesting episode. Really? <laughs> so, just has hmm. Anyway. Fascinating. But yeah, so the sister, well, it gets hit on slash hits on him. They're they're vibing intensely very quickly, which is awkward because Wade's And she's like, I've got a, like, a new position for you. He gets to like, get out of that like elf costume quickly. Yeah, she's like, oh, you look, you make a great elf. And he's like, what? All right. <laughs> All right. And she's like, i got a better position for you. Meet me outside in 20 minutes or something. I'm like, oh my god. But so, um... Before they can meet outside, the president comes walking up and, and comp- like, really congratulates Kelly on her- Well, Kelly's the sister, the, uh, Wade's sister in this universe. Congratulates her on a job well done, which she did really well, apparently. I mean, we didn't know at the time, although it wasn't really her that did it, it was the, the waitress lady. But, uh, so, she had fired the other Santa and elves, and then hires them within two hours. And he's shocked. He's like, wow. He's like, they're barely even off the premises and you have a new set here. And she's like, well, I'm just trying to, you know, do it my job and be great. And he's like, oh, you're getting better at me than running this place. Which is like, ah, that's sort of vaguely a hint. But then it turns out to be nothing. Cause <laughs> it wasn't it was something you run into, Mora. I know. I thought he was going to hand the ball. No. When you you can't just call things hints because you thought they were hints and then it turns well, out they're not hints. True. But I thought, well, no, not hint. I mean, but later on when we find out he's leaving, I thought that means, oh, well, she's going to be the logical, you know, heir to the the the, the mall. But it turns out he's just going to take her with her. So it doesn't make any sense. So <laughs> anyway, so regardless, that's just my interpretation. Um, so they're basically they find out that they're not spending enough. Uh, some people, that's how they get into debt, pretty much, is that if you're not spending enough, you're going to get that money taken from you. Gotta spend money to make money, Mora. And it... <laughs> Damn it. But that feels like a really weird, like, it's, like, it's not just that there's, like, this weird debt thing going on here. It's the whole, like, spending money is, like, necessary that feels, like, oddly, like, creepily realistic. Because we do get tax refunds, and we are told to spend them within the economy to help, you know, put a, to, to, to help the economy. That's the whole point of a tax refund. And it's, like, a stimulus. That's the whole thing. And it's a little bit, like creepy because I'm like oh my god like this has so many like realistic elements to it that it does seem like an absurd version of reality but still, welcome like, to science like... fiction more yep. <laughs> no I know obviously but I mean this it's just a simple little like Christmas episode so I'm like wow this is like heavy into like economic like craziness I mean but I was also thinking too like you know this episode in particular was slightly ahead of its time I mean people are so into you know consumerism and Christmas and blah and yeah yeah, it's only gotten worse I think I'm sure yes it has since since then definitely yeah back to I mean there was still obviously Black Friday stuff but for example that's something that's coming that just passed that is has only gotten more and more insane as years have gone by um, now there's also other versions of Black Friday since Cyber Monday. Um, so anyway, so they, they realize, okay, we're going to have to start like making money to spend money. And none of them really seem to react to their jobs much, which I was kind of impressed by, even though they had to do all these shitty kids. John Reese davies like, takes to it like a fish in well, water. Well, he's a love kid. Oh, by the way, kids. Wade's da- not dad makes sure to point out how much he hates how cold his daughter has become. Kelly, because, you know, he hates his daughter. He's a terrible <laughs> he hates father. His daughter. 
she's she's very she's she's good at her job. She's a professional who's being professional. She does get she does dock that same girl that got them the job. She docks her three weeks pay because she's been saving her money to spend on her mother's prescriptions, which is the job. Yeah, exactly. So she looks cold to him and he kind of he's like oh man i wish she wasn't so cold but um so but meanwhile john reese davies, i wish you were a better father exactly but uh uh john reese davies is um the santa sitting there getting all these little kids to come sit with them he's already kind of screwing with people and sort like he's very subtly starts to like put in these like he's so know. high and mighty in this episode he's high and mighty in a lot of episodes but he's so high and mighty in this he, episode he's like giving these like weird like parables about you know why aren't you gonna ca- ask for a chemistry set or building blocks like you would give raisins at halloween <laughs> yeah he probably did or whatever in some universe in this imagining world. that he would actually allow children to come to his doorstep on halloween yeah oh, exactly <laughs> lights lights are off on the john <laughs> davies household uh but so they're also doing like the toy mania barking stuff where they're they're trying to get people to like they're supposed to be getting people to buy things as part of their job i guess but as the episode goes on they kind of drop that bit because they all kind of get disillusioned with the whole concept uh, besides remy which we'll get to um so they're kind of just like ah but um they they um he eventually he he figures out based on you know how did, he just goes Oh, she happens to, that's the first time when she first stumbles into them when she's cleaning up tables. He later on finds her again, but at first, the mom that, that gave the baby to him at first... Whose name is Carol, because Carol. this is a Christmas episode of television. Oh my god, Jesus. And she just happens to be cleaning up near them, and comes up, and then he's just like, hey, what the hell is your problem with this? And he's and like, said, telling her what's up, because it's his business, apparently. So she she just claims the reason why she didn't want to give doesn't want to keep the kid is because as long as she lives here they own me and yep. he's better off in the flats without me. And I was like Jesus Christ. Also, the second episode we watched where someone claims they don't own me was just like this is why are there so many parallels between this and growing pains? I don't know, but there are. Uh, but so uh, she freaks but although, out. But. Uh, professor is not having any of it. No, even though, like, she, she has like a rational explanation for all of this, and he's just like he's like Fuck he's you. your child. You have to be with him, and then freaks out. She runs off, and of course, him being him cannot catch up with her again. And Me- then, meanwhile, Professor's like stories about children getting cold is working on these children. Which, by the way, this whole like them teaching the true meaning of Christmas to children, it was so I didn't bullshit. buy it. I don't. No I don't way. Care. No kids. No, no. kids. Let's spoil it because like later. The bad guy, like, offers the kids free video games and stuff. And they're like, no, we want to hear stories. Fuck that shit. Yeah, and I was like, that is so unrealistic. And and even if, for some reason, the kids did act that way, you know, he could have just, when he was getting arrested, he could have just asked the kids, you know, get them, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even think of that, but you're not wrong, I guess. He's made a bunch of servants. Pretty much. to, To me, it was really weird because I'm like, uh, maybe it's because we live in a more modern time where kids have gotten more and more presents than they used to. Because I don't think, I, I don't want to be too like good old boy, good old boy e because I don't think that's always true of everything. But to me, the way that they they have like the kids and these presents are like kids will figure out the real meaning of Christmas. I'm like, no, kids. When you give them presents, they're just going to be obsessed with the presents. Like especially kids, with, with the subliminal stuff. Like give a kid an iPad nowadays, and the kid's going to be like, oh, I want another iPad. Like it's not that's not how this works. So we already know this is already a false narrative, basically. <laughs> and so the kids are just like, yeah, I want 
cookies for Christmas. Like, I'm like, no, no kid's gonna be like, I want cookies instead of a brand new, like, remote controlled car or something like that. It's just, it was all, I guess at the time when exactly. this was filmed, the technology wasn't quite at the point where the stuff they were getting was quite as insane and extravagant. But, like, as if you could now. get a free video game back in the day, like, especially they were, they were so expensive for it not being that great, that exactly. you're gonna, like, take it. And a whole, I'm sure, like, it could have gotten a whole system. I mean, they could have played stupid. Duck Hunt. <laughs> stupid. Oh, would, Duck Hunt. <laughs> there's no way he got that. Well, no, they didn't, it wasn't that they. It wasn't that he already had video games though. They were just like now converted to like hipsters or something. <laughs> like a bunch of little hipsters who like video games and and modern technology. Ew! I'm all about like you know cookies Christmas stories or artisan goods. But so so they they he gets the kids kind of slowly one at a time. He mm-hmm. he tells these terrible like stories about how like kids are supposed to appreciate the things they have. Again, it's supposed to be nice, but it it seems so preachy, and I'm just like, no, nah, I'm not here for any He's of this. That's the professor. He's so preachy, just so preachy in every episode. So I'm not gonna lie, that's kind of uh, JRD's vibe for a lot of what he does. Is the preachy old? It's, it's just what he is in real life, considering Probably. the terrible things he said. Oh yeah. <laughs> He freaks out at one point, thinking he hasn't reached these kids. Although that turns around and, and yeah, he's like, "This is a despicable world." I'm he a fraud. Like, it's so all a fraud, turned. and it's just like, and, and then Remy, it's up to Remy to be like, "It's okay. You, keep making a difference." You gotta keep trying. He's like, "I don't stupid. think so." Like, calm and down. Then, and then he just turns around and does. So it's like, like what? that child who's afraid of getting a, a, a stocking full of coal. For real. Oh no! He's I frightening broke my brother's children. Story. <laughs> oh. And he's like, you know what? In this world, being honest. Puts you back on Santa's good list. I was like, oh my god. And I'm like, this is so preachy. Like, that's another form of uh, brainwashing, by the way. So. Right! He's just, he likes his brainwashing more than what they already have. Which, exactly. I mean, At least I'm no not... one can accuse this episode of, like, plotting the war on Christmas. <laughs> I'm not trying to say that having vapid, consumer-based uh, obsessions is great for kids. But, Jesus, let's not pretend like this is the all. Like, your lifestyle is the all- <laughs> Powerful also, I love how he never brings, like, Jesus into any of this, despite how high and mighty he is. I, does he bring it? No, I guess no, they, no. Ne- there's never any yeah. Jesus talk. It's amazing, because it really kind of does almost go real close to just the real meaning of Christmas, is loving family and each other and Jesus. Clearly, he could have watched Kirk Cameron saving Christmas. <laughs> Again, oh, the parallels are indistinguishable. But so, so they... they are we watching? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure because the one we watched had alter universe and everything. But so um, they they freak out, but they they get back to it very quickly. Where they're like, "Hey, it's worth it. We have to keep these kids under control." Meanwhile, um, Quinn's upgraded to a suit. Yeah, and also, but I had a real question too. Mm-hmm. When he's Santa and he's telling this kid this story. He's talking, and then, then the one kid goes away, and then comes back as the same kid, and he's like, "Can I hear another story?" He's like, "Sure." I'm like, "Is he going to talk to any other kid today?" Because well, it eventually becomes like a powwow. Yeah, it becomes like everybody kids, like but... sitting there and like listening to him preach stories, like he's a literal Jesus. But like, <laughs> it's also awkward to me because I'm like, everywhere I've ever been in a mall with a Santa, it is like. It's so hum like boom, boom, boom. We can just like, assume that like they're all too busy shopping to actually have a real line. I guess so, but there's parents standing around. Like, aren't those parents like, what the fuck are you doing, with my kids, in three hours? <laughs> like, oh, I don't get it. And none is, of them is have like pictures. Supposed to be, like daycare, because I could, I could buy that. Well, no, I didn't even see anybody taking pictures. To be totally honest, so maybe it was just like a like a hangout with Santa minute. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't get it. But uh, it's this universe. Um, so so he he kind of they're set in their ways, but meanwhile. Um, they, they figure out that the bracelets that everybody's wearing, 
are mm-hmm. actually monitors that... Yeah, I guess Quinn got all this intel from, like, his sex espionage. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of un- undisclosed. They never really go back to that, but you kind of get... I don't think that they may- maybe they slept together. Although, it's actually weird. There's one There's one love connection in this episode, and it's not between Quinn and Kelly. It's right? between Professor and that Carol. Was the- oh, my God. Oh, that was so <laughs> random. Oh. Wait, wait, wait. We have to wait till we get there, because I have so many things to say about the scene and how awful and disturbing it was. It's just shocking. Like, it's just like... Me too, me too. I'm like, wait, what? Oh, my God, it was so insane. It just came out of nowhere. That's the thing, so... It really, well, it really did. It was amazing. But, uh, okay, so so they... <laughs> So in in Quinn's uh, research, he has found uh, whether through Kelly or whatever. I don't know. I was missing from Kelly. Hey, but uh, anyway, she's so good at her job. Though. Let's say he had his orientation. So there you go. Oh, I mean, you're right. Okay, that's what it was. It was orientation because he comes with like folders and shit. So I was like, how did he what get all that job now? Though I have he no idea. Suits. Actually, I don't think they ever. Really she just got him a that. new position. So I guess maybe it's like her 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 right hand man or something. something. I don't know. Yeah. Look, just. Something. Yeah, maybe I don't, I don't know. know. She doesn't really need it. I guess she doesn't need this. I don't know. But so either way, she she now has all the info given to him, and he just kind of relays it to everybody else. Like, remember that guy we saw before? The reason why the thing beeped and he was carried back inside is because he his debt to this mall is so large that he's not allowed to leave this certain area. And if he does, it'll it'll freak out and make make him stay. Which is that's where it gets really disturbing because you could to me, I'm like the real darkness would have been going into how I guess it's kind of similar to what they're doing but yeah it's it's actually again very realistic real world powerful where it's if you're underprivileged and you're using credit cards to give your kids a good Christmas you're gonna get in debt and then you have no money to move so you're stuck in where you're living and you can get evicted and end up homeless like it's all just like really dark shit that's like very realistic like that's how the world works this is just like a very hyperbolic version of mm-hmm. it obviously but um so instead of that though we have like a real physical representation whereas if you try and leave a beeper will go off and someone will come and escort you back to what you were doing because you're not allowed to leave which is very dark and I'm I guess it's all on the contract we find out later on but super super intense for people to just agree to that kind of like literally indentured servitude pretty much yeah. um and so uh they 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 figure that out and he's like well what are we gonna fucking do about this and they kind of <laughs> all just like I don't even know like they, they had to like form a plan yeah. um but then Wade liter- literally bumps into her dad. Exactly, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. Beginning of the creepiness that is that whole situation. Do I make and you I did- uncomfortable? Is what yes! he says to her. Oh, God, you it's- look so much like Kelly. You can almost be related. Here, come eat with me. Just me. And I didn't know this show that well, but I was like, I hope to God he's not gonna hit on her. And I, thankfully, I he didn't. Really but- wish he would because he wouldn't know. Yeah, but he's he's older, so it would have been an odd thing in general. But still, like he's it's- already a terrible dad. Doesn't matter. <laughs> But yeah, when he sees her, he's kind he of just like, well, a surrogate daughter, basically. Not oh knowing God. that she really is his daughter. It's sad. Pretty much. But yeah, so he, he offers to cook for her because he startles her enough that she she drops whatever she had originally gotten on her tray. And um, he's like, I make a famous Texas chili. And I was like, so you're from Texas? I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, we just mix it. Mix chili? I was like, all right. But uh, so um, he ma- he brings her back to his, his big... Mansion, like big house. Like I guess it's supposed to be his and Kelly's house, or is it just? Well, no, we're not. We're not. I don't think we're there yet. No, no, no. But I just, I'm curious to how he can afford that, though. It's yeah. It's definitely all Kelly. Okay, it was okay. But either way, so he's like, oh yeah, here, come back here, and she agrees. She's like, okay, sure, I'd love that. But um, and then this is where I was confused before, but I guess it makes some sense that she just is 
there for the ride. The president that we saw earlier congratulate Kelly on her good work. He gets a promotion himself to go up to what was the actual name? Polly? He says or Pally? I don't know what that meant. Pally. Pally something. And uh, it's I guess like a bigger version of the mall. And he's like, oh, it's gonna be great. I'm gonna go there and be the the regional manager. And you're coming with me. I was like, I don't know that you have the power to do that, but I guess he Is this where he does, like, the patronizing add a girl punch on the chin, or is that Yes! Like that? It's awful, and <laughs> it's really creepy in general. I was like, that's and all I, you need to know about his character right there. So. And I kind of appreciated Jerry O'Connell, like, the queen character, because he's standing next to her as this is happening, and he kind of, like, slowly backs away, like, yikes, when he punches her with a little, like, like nudge on the chin. But he's a quick like, thing, before that scene is when, uh, uh, Rembrandt is taking notes on the commercials, and that's like the first which plays that, into it. Yeah, yeah. Which, it seems to me so clear, but I took a little bit for everybody. Oh, else. something seemed clear to you, Maura. I know I had to bring it up because it was so amazing. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was so heavy handed, and it, I don't think that it was even subtle when it first started. You could already see the words. It's like, what are they trying to hide here? But either way, they did. They eventually dropped that. Well, none of them were paying attention to it, though. Besides, no, only yeah. Rembrandt. Well, I guess he was well, he like charged with like taking notes on the commercials. He was making a gift list. He said, so you didn't really notice what was happening. In no, the he scene. made a gift. list. I know that, but I think I, the way he was talking, it was like he was like, "I'm going to do research on the commercials." Jerry O'Connell, you do the bracelets or something. Maybe not. I don't well, know. Well, he was just saying that just to get him to go so, right, okay. so he could make his gift list. But yeah, he's making a gift list essentially of, of gifts for everybody. Which I, no one comments on how weird that is but i was like all right yeah, their own word. wait's having dinner with her not dad well it's not i mean maybe you're just like okay he's a nice guy it's christmas he wants to make a gift list but i'm like in this world no no one's making gift lists unless they know speaking of this real. world and i think it's mostly just this show in general can we acknowledge the amount of dutch angles oh my god that's why my next note is <laughs> dutch angles even i love the it quinn kelly scene where it's like if you didn't know the show you would think that quinn was a serial killer yeah. that's what i said that's my notes i said what is with these dutch angles is someone about to get murdered i swear to god that's my note because to me i don't know this world so i'm like and when he's talking to her about this stuff the dutch angle is so intense that his face is basically like sideways practically <laughs> and it really does feel like something is about to go down and nothing really comes of it so i just felt really uneasy but it does a good job of making you uneasy which is the point i guess but it was just even when he's telling his uh tree story his sad dad tree story they appreciate the who's charlie brown this kid i grew up with anyway <laughs> Oh God! Yeah. So, so they the in this scene, uh, I should probably describe this because it kind of plays into later on. I think. I think this is when he finally like reaches out to Kelly and like c- connects to her a little bit. And she's just like, "There's um, nothing in the real world for me." And I'm like, "Damn, girl." Ooh, yeah. So he says, "Yeah," and she's like, "Oh yeah, my mom died." Blah blah blah. Which is why we figure out. Oh, that's probably why there's no weight, I guess. But um, he says, "Oh yeah, same happened with me and my dad. He died when I was 11." Um, and uh, Christmases are always tough this time of year. Um, but once, well, every time they used to have Christmas like, as a kid, his dad used to bring home these scraggly little trees a la Charlie his dad's Brown, a as dick, we apparently. <laughs> or he just liked, he had a soft spot for weakened trees or something. I, 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 anyone who has just a soft a spot dick. for weakened trees is a dick. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so he, he goes with his mom the, the year after his dad has died to get their own tree together, which is probably really sad to start. But once they get to the tree lot, they go over to the side and they see this one 
really weak tree. So it's probably just an old weak tree that's just literally snatched because <laughs> it's brittle. But to him, it's like it was already cut down. It looked like it was like uh, weaved to his side and on the ground. So he felt like, oh, my dad's still here. He cut this tree down for us before we even got here. He'll always be with me. Like that's that's how all families should be. Like la la la, it's Christmas. Like, that's kind of like her the actual family has moved on. It's her exactly. world family. <laughs> And so she's just kind of like, yeah, she's like, okay, that's nice. And that they, did, they don't really revisit it, but I think that was him, like, really yeah. trying to reach out. So and then like, that's okay. when the boss interrupts with and then he says, girl. Well, I've got the promotion. And the, the scene where he gives her, like, the little, like, nudge on the chin is so <laughs> creepy. So, so. The Dutch angles are warranted then. <laughs> Who does that? Who does what that? adult does that? I know! Like, uh, we had to describe it. So, if you... Obviously, like, you've seen, like, someone give a little nudge on, like, the so shoulder. like, a little kid! Like, an adult do it to a little kid. It's it's basically, he, like, slow-mo slow punches her on her chin, but, like, doesn't punch her. He just kind of, like, knocks her chin real soft. It's so creepy. It's so patronizing. And it is! It's, like, ugh. such a... Like, a dad thing to do, which I guess is the point. He's supposed to be, like, Except the they seem dad. like the same age. And well, the dad claims like the the this other guy is basically the dad that he wanted to. Despite be. the lack of age disparity. Exactly, and it, it's just terrible in general. I thought it seemed like she was also trying to sleep with him too. Yeah, she, I thought that he was like trying to get into it. Well, that's why when Jer- when Jerry O'Connell's standing there, I love that scene because when he does that to her chin, Jerry O'Connell they cut to him. He doesn't really react, but to me, like his 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 presence, like, the way he's acting in that moment, gives up a vibe, like, he might as well have just cringed and backed up slowly because yeah. he's like, I don't want any part of this. And he just kind of slowly, like, fades out of the scene, like, I don't want to be around, because they, they keep talking after he leaves, that's why it's so funny. He's kind of like, uh, peace out, I'm leaving, this is a little <laughs> creepy. And, um, so she's now going to be brought along for the ride with him instead of, you know, I, to me, I'm like, well, no, I'd want the whole mall. That's what I'm here for, I'm working, but I guess... Moving on with him, she's gonna get. She's clearly codependent. Exactly, there's something there. But so, um, uh, and then again, we go back to the freaking. Oh my god. Wade and her, not dad. Yeah, so she she is now over his house having the chili, or I guess only having tea. Having tea before chili seems gross, but that's what they're doing. (laughs) Um, and he's like. Uh, yeah, basically, like, yeah, again, I want to repeat to you, my daughter sucks. <laughs> You're, like, her mom died at childbirth. And so. that's what we know. And, and, his, and, then, and then, like, volunteers that his daughter, his, he had, they had a, uh, a stillborn, essentially, at the same time. Like, mm-hmm. like yikes! And like, this is supposed to be, like, really heartwarming and heartbreaking. Girl. I wrote in my notes that, like, his entire part of the scene, not Wade's part, his part, is so creepy. Yes. Like, he's just volunteering all this like, information. Ten hours or something. I'm, I'm surprised and... Kelly isn't, like, walking in and asks, what is happening? Why are you telling this stranger all of our, like, <laughs> personal things? And to be totally honest, based on, like, the, the fire that's lit and, like, the tea and, like, the, the soft focus, I'm like, I really hope he's still not planning on hitting on her because <laughs> I wasn't, like, I couldn't rule it out. Like, you never know. He's like, look, I'm a sad widower. <laughs> but so... Okay, yeah, let's just go. So yeah, uh, and so so she's just kind of like, oh, it's okay, and she's like, don't give up on Kelly. You should try and reach out to her. Dick. And I love this is such a Sabrina Lloyd thing, but like having seen her in other shows, she obviously is really assertive in a lot of what she does. That's part of what she gets cast in because she's really good at like making tough decisions and being like a really intense person. But she also has this great like when she's being really emotional, she's so like soft spoken. It's really refreshing because a lot of actors just do not do that. She usually they're just all about projecting. And it's like a certain just... actor who replaces Sabrina Lloyd on the show. Oh, is she? 
<laughs> that explains a lot. But so, but she's just sort of like, it's okay. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is like how people talk when they're really emotional. And you don't always see that on TV that much. So I appreciated it. But uh, so she just tells him, don't give up. You'll find a way to reach out to her. Um, the only reason, the only way you'll really lose her is if you give up. I'm like, ah, I don't think so, but okay. And then, like, we just have a quick uh, scene with Professor and Carol, and we learn the baby's name is Alexander, but then we go back to this nonsense. Well, but, and also, the reason why I, I want to get to the Professor one just for a second, too, is that he has now printed out a list of all the, well, no, based on Jerry O'Connell's yeah, espionage. Yeah, he had Quinn do it. Yeah, he has a list of all 42 or 40 something. 42, um, yep. 42. Carols. Again, 42. There's 42 carols, and they all have bracelets. They all are in debt, basically. Because you get the bracelet when you're in debt, too, for the record. You can, you can work there and never be in debt and never get a bracelet, but odds against you having ever done that because of the way that the shit is set up. But so, regardless, these are the carols that have a bracelet, and so there's 42 of them. Fucking John Reese Davies knows this woman for like a day. Gets so involved with their business, knocks on thirty-eight doors to try and find her. I'm like, that is crazy person. Crazy. That's like an entire night. This is a love story, I guess. I I didn't see that at all. That was creepy as fuck. Like he's just he's basically a detective. He's like detecting to see where she is. And so, um, he finds her and she tells him the baby's name is Alex. That's where she's just like, please leave. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, he's a creepy older dude, like, just barging into your room. I just I don't, apparently, I just don't understand anyone's age in this show. He's yeah, gotta be like 50-something, right? Well, no, because, obviously, if, if they're viable love interests and, the, like, the president <laughs> is not. like a father figure, even though he's, like, the same age as Kelly. Maybe in this universe... I older, older, older on. men are with younger women. Maybe that's it. Oh, <laughs> we would know in that if, universe. Huh? If Wade's dad had just hit yeah, on her. That, yeah. yeah, Ryan, in that universe. That universe. <laughs> Some new wacky universe. Commentary. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. So we go back to Wade and her dad, and he's talking about how like his wife was dead set against him living in a mall, and so of course. But he, he moved them all. He moved them there anyway. He's in debt up to his ears. He he sucks. Like, how could you be in debt up to your ears when you live in that place? Like, you don't... Your daughter... You, you could basically retire, but I guess he didn't want to. But regardless, like, his his daughter is pretty much taking care of him, I guess. Like, he says, I'm in debt up to my ears. You never really find out for sure if the daughter owns a place. So I'm like, you need to explain this better. He needs to be, like, in a hovel or something. He's the worst. So, because he's living in, Do like, a mansion. you guys agree with me now about him being terrible? Yeah, yeah I think he's really... I he mean, has a really good I, when, when I saw the episode, like... I saw less uh, terrible and more uh, very creepy. So, but yeah, I mean, he, uh, that's I think terrible. the creepy is secondary to the terribleness. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I highlighted this uh, quote that he said about Kelly. There's a void in her that I can't touch. I'm like, ew. Ooh, <laughs> should I touch it with that part? But yikes. Yeah, no. I'm just like, all right, stop being creepy. No, it right wasn't now. good. But I, I think he just happened to have a really good presence. I don't think he was necessarily a good character. I think he just. I was very interested in what he was saying. I was never bored when he was talking, basically. Um, I don't know what he's done besides this. I think he's his character work, but I, I enjoyed him. I, I hope he does a lot of things that are good, but either way. Um, so, so I he, hope, like, nothing happened to him after this episode. Like, he died or something more, because you keep pushing how much you want him to be and everything. You should really check these things out first, just in case. He's not dead, so just check it out. Are you sure? Yes, I just looked. <laughs> So That's good. Um, he's Canadian in something in pro seduction. I was I was checking it too, but you got to it quicker. But so um, he's in something this year, so we're good. Um, <laughs> so 
so he he's again a little, being a little bit creepy, but then immediately it keeps like going back and forth between this and the other the other plot where um, Remy is slowly building like a, a present <laughs> army. Like he has gotten what is it fourteen presents for everybody? And except for when he accidentally got ten, so he has to get more. And Quinn's like, and, "What the hell?" Yeah, Quinn freaks out and says, "Dude, you're acting a little crazy." And he's and like, "Rembrandt is honestly fuck you, like fuck you." Rembrandt's about to like punch him out if he doesn't. Yeah. If Quinn doesn't stop get out of my way. I need to get more presents. And, and then that's obviously and then, and Quinn's this scene, I honestly I wrote down Jerry O'Connell has the most beautiful baby blues the show and Scream 2 <laughs> really highlighted that oh Scream 2 yes and he really like like the way he looks at the commercial to me the, the commercial at that point no I don't think this is after the, the professor has done anything with the, the footage of the commercial and you can no. clearly see the like yeah, they're you can make me see, happy. Yeah. So I'm like, this is stupid. I'm like, they really fucked up. I think they only made one commercial, and they just didn't show the commercial as much until the scene where they take it apart. Right. So they thought you might not notice, but I'm like, it's very clear that this has always been here, and it's fine. Just say that they they have that on the advertisement. Don't claim that he like did some weird algorithm to show the. Underneath. Although we don't know how this originally aired. Oh, maybe maybe they fucked it up. Yeah, you're right. It could it, yeah, it could be just like change in like technology. Like, would transfer a DVD and then, like, streaming. Yeah, that's, that's true. So, regardless, at least we see the writing the whole time, which I'm like, this is not very subtle. Um, but yeah, so so he's he's in, he's now in. They're all very suspect of Remy based on the weird behavior and the literally dozens of presents he's Although, bought. next scene, Remy's pretty fun. He, like, talks to Wade, Wade pretty, yep. like. And he's, like, he chooses to spend time with her over shopping. So, really, it was just because Quinlan, like, minus fucking business. <laughs> But so, um, we also, this is, oh my god, this is where, well, he, after his freak out, and after he, like, tells, or tells, um, Wade not to worry about it, we get the craziest scene, oh my god. Uh, Where a professor is just insane? What was that scene, guys? What was that scene? I don't even, he gives his story about his family. Oh, that, that, After, she's like, who are you to judge me? And he's like, well, I'm just gonna judge you because World War Two. so... Jesus. Oh, I wish it would have been like watch World War Two. I wish it would like not be applicable in this this world just to like make him have to choose a new tactic. Oh my god! So Ryan, do you do you remember that scene? Do you want to go over that? the World War Two family bombing scene? Yeah, no, it's ridiculous because yeah, this is the first time we hear it. Like, I feel like if we should have heard this earlier, like in earlier seasons or something. Right? Like that should be like, hi, I'm John Reese Davies. Here's my terrible backstory. But here, you explain the backstory for those. No, no, I, I actually don't remember in detail. So you go. Okay, here, yeah. I have my notes. So it's basically, so he, he, he describes that when he was younger, like he's talking to Carol and basically trying to out, yeah, out, giving her so much shit. For, like, yeah. Like he's trying to out. Yeah. Cause she used her. all her available credit to like pay someone to smuggle her out. And then she got screwed over doing that. Right. But then he still wants to be like, this. nope, you're the worst. She took out a loan for $2 million or a million dollars or You should whatever. be able to take care of your baby. Like, she and, can't, she and literally, he's like, literally well, cannot see, take care of her baby. The worst part for him, though, is I think at the very end of all of this, he's like, oh, I don't have a, a way of helping you out, but I'm going to figure that out eventually. Like, seriously? It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> like, what the and hell? he's so judgmental of so her. So judgmental. And he has no reason to be. Like, when he describes the story, the story is so irrelevant, it makes no difference. It just, it happens to be a story about a mom and a child that's the only He tells her not to cry when he's basically, everything he's saying is, like, designed to make her cry. It's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> he fucking sucks. But so, so he tells her this story where he grew up 
um, poor in Britain, I think it was, and he goes on va- not vacation. He goes to visit his aunts in the countryside. When in World War Two, it gets bombed, which I was like, I don't know. They bombed a lot of the countryside, but I guess we'll just leave that as is. So he gets bu- the 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 place gets bombed, obviously because they were at war in World War Two, and his aunts die, and his mother he says, and then they found me underneath my mother's corpse where she had covered me and and trying to save me. And they take well, your him. Your mother didn't have all this debt, so it's a different situation. Exactly. And then, and then the father was away fighting in the war, so he was like a, basically an orphan for a while until his father came back. And then he describes. Okay, I don't know. Uh, he describes his father getting him this present, and I had so many questions well, about well, the, the father present. present things later. Oh, it is. Okay, so we'll wait before for that. They, they get their masks on. I have on. so many questions about the father present thing. It made no sense. But the father was away at war. So we'll get back to that in a little bit. So that doesn't really make sense about what what he was. And he had resigned about. himself to never seeing any of either of his parents ever again. And he which is definitely the, definitely the same thing as what's happening here. Yeah, and he said yeah. all this to the mom. Like, isn't it terrible? And I'm like, why are you? This woman is without her child. Don't tell that to a woman without her child. Right. Tell it to her once you get the child back. You know what I mean? Like. It was just terrible. Like, she's going to go home and just cry herself to sleep. It was terrible. Right. And, and again, as I said, like, he's not offering up any solutions for her. It's like, seriously? Like, what the hell? Take your child and have both of you, like, murdered or whatever because you can't <laughs> afford anything. Yeah, and so he said they put him in an Yeah, orphanage. a little bit of, like, shocking bracelet on the child. That's what she should do, obviously. <laughs> God, what's Christ. wrong with her? And so they got he got put in an orphanage, and he's like, you don't want your child to know that pain of the terror of waking up. This was an orphanage in the countryside of, in World War II. <laughs> like, there was a lot of orphans that literally had no... Like, you, you didn't have it that bad. There were people who had no parents, bro. There were people who died as orphans, as little children, so just come the hell down. There's but Oliver so, Twist. Yes, exactly. So... So he says, I promise you we'll get rid of the debt. He, like, basically, it's so, it's so, it's so condescending, because he's not even saying after all this, like, you should get rid of the debt. He's saying, we'll handle it. Right. So he literally is saying this for no reason. Because yep. he understands it's absolutely unreasonable for her to ever try and get the debt gone, because that's how it's set up. It's rigged, it's rigged to screw with her. And so, um, so he, he, um... He pretty much just like lays it thick and then walks away, leaving her devastated. And then <laughs> but, the dad, but please don't cry. <laughs> no, don't cry. Do not cry. Do not cry. And so the the dad intervenes with Kelly at this point because he's gotten that information from from uh, Wade that it'd be good for him to try and not give up. Oh yeah, her. he says Merry Christmas to her, and she's like, "It's tomorrow." Yeah, I know. That's like, the one on Christmas right there. Yeah, like she was, she was like already kind of cold, but she you could wipe it away as like just professional. That was the point. You I'm say like, happy Whoa. holidays until it's Christmas time. <laughs> she was. And so she's like, it's tomorrow. And so he he says to her, oh my god. This is where I wrote my nose. Kelly's power suits are my everything. Yeah, he says to her, like, don't be so cold. And she's just like, what? Then he says, like, like a look in the mirror type thing. And I'm like, you are an awful father. Yeah, like, are you? She's At least when I look in the mirror, I he like says, what I see. Can you say the same? Oh, yeah. yeah and then I went, same. okay, father. That's, wow. Do you like what you see? You're in debt up to your ears. You were just saying all this. You seem miserable. Honestly, yeah, exactly. Like, bro, you don't talk to your daughter. You're in debt up to your ears. You're in a place where you don't want to live. You, you lost your wife and child at a very young age. Why are you, you loving like what, what you, you see, see in the mirror? <laughs> Projection. And so uh, he tries to say that to her. Wade's eavesdropping. Yes, of course. And then afterwards, when he when she walks away from him, he's like, uh, I don't think I'm... Oh, this is such terrible. <laughs> the dad is so bad. I don't think I'm losing her. 
I think she's already gone. <laughs> well, yeah, because you're the worst. You just did that look at the mirror thing. That was such a dick move. So dick. What? It's so dick. And so he, um, this is where the generous Davy start. He starts really researching the ads. He's already figured it out, but he proves it by showing them the the underneath the ads says like, yeah, we love money, Quinn we act- buy you things. Yeah, <laughs> Quinn actually humorous. sees the subliminal things this this time. So like, one of the lines we saw is obviously it was sort of like toy or presents make you happy but the other stuff they read off is like gibberish where it's just like buy things me buy things love things love things love things buy buy it's all weird stuff like that love means buy means love what (laughs) yeah that was weird and then he's just like see it's it's, this is all a trick and then they're like uh and then he he goes over the in case we didn't understand what's going on they really like lay it out thick like basically here's what happens they trick people into getting the stuff they're they're out of out of money by the time they get this loan and they're never ever physically able, able to return it because you know making twenty dollars an hour or day and then with is interest not possible. And, yeah. and then I, I just appreciate when Rembrandt apologizes to Quinn and then they do a nineties fist bump. They give each other some dap. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And there was another really weird scene in this though where he says like and then slavery is another word for it. And then wait and it happened to cut to everybody where they're reacting to that, like his deep oh, intense, yeah, like, oh, yeah, comparing it to slavery. Yep. And they cut to Wade who looks, looks at, at Remy. And I was like, whoa! <laughs> I was like, I know she was just reacting to that sentence, but I'm like, maybe don't cut to that one. That yeah. was a really weird way to... Yeah. Like, is it Wade? Tell us. Is it, like, slavery? I was like, oh, God. And uh, so she just kind of, like, reacts strongly. It was terrible. And then, so they're telling Carol, and yeah, I swear to Carol, God, I, I'm deal. so fed up with the professor in this episode. Same. He says, <laughs> okay. Christmas is a time for miracles. Miracles in faith. So that was gonna say, I'm like, I knew I, when I was, when you guys were saying there was no there's no Jesus before. There definitely wasn't Jesus, but I knew there was a part where they had that wasn't really totally religious, but miracles in faith to me. But yeah, you can't say that after you like don't acknowledge Jesus at all. Yeah, exactly. And it was very strange. And so he's just like, It's a time for miracles and faith. And then times for more Santa stories. <laughs> he's like, This is how I'm gonna do in my World War Two. Yeah, I'm gonna sit down and talk to you about all these terrible things that happened to me. And all yes. these kids are like, Oh yeah, wrapped. So, and so, so this is where story time with Professor He begins. starts talking about how non material goods are the best and uses, He's so awful. It's so stupid. And so of course him saying this uh prompts the 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 president happens to be watching it on the monitor and hears it and is like oh no I can't have him like preaching this stuff to our kids so he runs off distracted um and this is when obviously uh Carol works there she has like her own I guess somehow is able to get into his office she's a cleaner so maybe she has a key to his office really good coincidence um and she lets them in there to uh, try and get on his computer to hack into the mainframe and Quinn's like oh no a multi-level security system they turn on there's a password in the front and so (laughs) which Wade says I just have to go around the system the fuck (laughs) sure no they get real technical they use the they use the phrase boot disk I was like ooh oh no and then later we'll see a floppy disk and I went holy wow good times good times guys honestly even in when was this airing that was already out of date to me but regardless (laughs) not in that world no oh I know right well they have been out of the world for four years technology wise that's forever but so um they 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 try and hack the mainframe hack the planet and they jump on to try and log into this this oh this was like 97 Okay, well, still. Uh, to me, I don't think you were using that many. You were using discs, compact discs. I don't know. But so, uh, it was right when they started, though, so it was close enough that you could probably 
I don't know. Regardless, the way that they like they show it, like, oh yeah, floppy disk. Yeah, I have questions about that when we get to that too. It's a multi-level security system, Laura. <laughs> God damn it! But so they they jump on, they they try to hack it. It doesn't work because it's a multi-level security. I mean, system. it's one password. It's wrong. Duh. They try like, once. There goes the alarm. And the alarm goes off. It was so terrible. <laughs> and so, um, Kelly comes running in, thank God. Which, at the time, is not good, because she still, you know, is on the president's side, brainwashed. And they're, she's like, uh, Kelly, look, uh, it was no big deal. And she's like, uh, yeah, time to drop the bomb, basically, yeah. of sisterhood. Yeah, she's, like, explaining to security, so she's gonna call security. And the alarm is going off, so even if she doesn't call for them, they're about to be called automatically. Um, and they're like, um, by the way, I'm your dead sister. Ah! <laughs> she, said, she said, I'm the sister you never had. I'm like, wow. <sighs> That's a dramatic and, way of putting it. But sure, go ahead. <laughs> and Kelly's like, what? And then they had to like explain to her, like, they didn't really even get into it. They kind of just do it just like, hey, look, here are things I know about you that means I have to be your sister. Which is also kind of like weird to me because I feel like some of those would be slightly different. I mean, yeah, I think there was one. Well, yeah, she was lucky about the kiss, at least, that it was about to happen. Right, right. So. But, yeah. Right. Because there's no guarantee in this universe she is in a dude. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, oh. so. Hello, Quinn. Like, they were right? fucking, remember? Oh, my God. I want that. I want to go watch that. Um, so, um, <laughs> Calm down. Uh, so, so, they, they explain what's going on with her. They don't really even get into all the warping and stuff because it's probably too much to say in 20 seconds. But she gets her convinced enough that she's going to at least disarm the alarm and then they, mm-hmm. they explain more of it to her. Yeah. And then but they meanwhile, kind of Professor and Rembrandt are dealing with the children. They make so fun of the presents. Of Christmas, yeah, they, they full on that. start making fun of the idea of presents and that's like, no, no, no. I, I hate Professor. And because he says that 12 Days of Christmas is about giving too many presents, and he just, like, dumps everyone else. not at all. Like, you're a total misread of the text, bro. But so, they it's also... It's not, like, a parable about how you shouldn't give presents. I yeah. know! Like, that's a total... Like, you completely missed the point. And then the president and his, like, flunkies show up trying to get rid of them, and they're trying to bribe the kids. And With the cookies the, and soda, which, and you know, the kids will leave. And then, of course, it's immediately false flat but at first it's like really creepy to me because i'm like you're using these kids as a human shield <laughs> like this is really fucked up but that's kind of what they're doing they're just like hey as long as these kids are here you can't get rid of us uh, i'm like the kids are their dead mom shields but um so these the, the kids are all like no we're all like obsessed we with got Santa. cookies and uh they're they're freaking out about like oh my god these then kids he, are brainwashed again he ups it with video games and they they don't want video games they just want stories from santa yeah so he, he offers them cookies they already have the cookies from from the two of them from uh the professor and, and remy and so they, they can't convince the kids. They're just like, oh, shit. He's like, well, we're just going to have to arrest you anyway. So they decide to arrest the two of them because they're, and they're contracts. And Professor's going on them. about how they're teaching them the true value of, of Christmas. I know. Oh and, and I love how he's all like, oh, your world of consumerism is finished. Like, oh, yeah, this one instance. Good job. You fixed it. And everything. then Ted says, you are living in the past. Christmas Day is about cash flow from them <laughs> to me. <laughs> that was crazy. And then he says, arrest Cash them flow. and bring them to the... <laughs> and this is where... I'm going to show you guys. I'm going to link in the, the notes because it's so important to me. There is this little kid who has this, like, this face when they... When, oh, my God. I can't even <laughs> describe it. Like, they, they say... He says the cash flow thing. And then he says, I'm arresting you and I'm bringing you to the detainment center. And they cut to the kids. Like, can you believe it, kids? Basically is what they say for the kids to react. And the kid gives this look like... Like someone has shot her, and it's like the greatest thing. Like she gets, 
Oh my god! I didn't real. Uh, yeah, no, I, I didn't away, notice yeah, this at she, all. So, like, gives them an up and down, and it's just shocked. <laughs> the best actor of the episode is that child. Um, Great. But so excellent. I see. Yes. Wow. Pretty much. And so, it's like the kid freaks out because all the kids are freaking out, and they told the kids react as if someone shot someone in front of you, and they're all someone like, shot oh! Santa in front of you. Pretty much. And then um, they take him away in handcuffs because I guess that's the kind of authority they have based on their contract they signed or something. Like, they kind of hand wave that a little bit. Like, it's yeah, the, the your employee contract. contract. Whatever. And they're like, all right. And to me, I'm like, the professor should know. The professor should have read that thing backwards in front. Like, I'm sure they didn't read it because it's like, well, we're not going to be here this whole time anyway. Uh, right. Joke's on you, bro. But, uh, so they, they figure out, like, oh, um,. Uh, if we tell Kelly everything, maybe she'll be on her side. So they describe to her what's going on. They, she, they tell her the truth, essentially. And this is when Kelly becomes Ben Seaver. When it comes to the whole subliminal messaging thing. She refuses to believe what is happening. She's like, no, like, no you way. Be- you believe the whole, I'm your sister from an alternate universe. But she's like, what? Subliminal messaging from my creepy boss? No. No. That's insane. And also, beyond that, though, they also, she, the way she reacts, like, no, he wouldn't do that. Like, he wouldn't do all this. Have you met him? You just denied a doctor woman's pay for three weeks. I'm like, you can't just pick and choose what you're going to believe, lady. (laughs) But she freaks out again, because understandably, it's, it's a lot of stuff going on. Um, they also find a, a letter from. Well, they basically they go basically and reveal everything. Everything on his computer is a damn smoking gun. Yep. <laughs> Which is like you really need to cover your checks a little bit better. But he did not try at all. There's even like apparently a letter saying that what he's doing is illegal. Like someone like warned him. Yeah, that's what. It's, okay, so they go down and then they confront him. By the way, someone probably should just drop the dime on him beforehand. Then right. But so they. They, they go down and they confront him in front of everybody and they, they show him a floppy disk that has all the information copied off his computer. I'm like, you never put all the information in one spot. Obviously, there's no cloud back then, so they can't do it that way, but make a duplicate. Don't tell him they have like one in a security deposit box. Like, you don't just... And then he offers to split the money with them, like, in front and of And actually, it, it ended up not being even a big deal. Like, he doesn't actually... I, he should have run, grabbed the disc and tried to run, but instead he just runs. Um, no, but, but, I, also, but I also like how, how Kelly was all like, oh, okay, yeah, we already forgave the debts and released everyone. It's like, wow, you just... Wow, she didn't give a fuck. Like, yeah. wow, he's been downstairs for a long time. Yeah, Quick convert. Real, wow. And he still has them. He's not even fully taken them to the detainee center yet, so it really couldn't have been more than 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Jeez. <laughs> but, uh, so so she goes, she goes like, full, like, yeah, I'm, like, part of the, the rebellion now. And she's like, take that. Your career is a woman. And now history. I love my dad again, I guess. Yep. And then, this is one of my favorite scenes in the episode. It is hilarious. He pushes Jerry O'Connell, the, the president dude. Yep. He pushes him, like, for no reason. Of all the people to push, he pushes <laughs> Jerry O'Connell. Like, really arbitrary. Too. Like, this is the guy I want to, like, piss off. And he doesn't even, like, it's so cute, because this guy, I, I say cute because it really is. Like, it's pathetic. And this guy, he's not, like, in terrible shape, but he's, like, a somewhat older gentleman. He's like, a, maybe he's... 40-something. And Jerry O'Connell is, like, Prime, 26 to 27-year-old Jerry O'Connell. Hashtag peak Jerry O'Connell, by the way. <laughs> Hashtag peak Jerry O'Connell. Yep. Though he's not in great shape compared to Jerry O'Connell, because no. who is, really? <laughs> um, but so, he, he pushes them in the most delicate, like, he, like, tries so hard. Like, I, he, okay, so basically they confront him, he's, he's proven a, a fraud, and he goes to run. 
And instead of just running, he decides to, like, try and distract them by pushing someone. Push one of the other people. Like, Harry Stevens, he'll, he should, he'll he tumble should, like a creep. Exactly, like, push Professor and, over would be pretty funny, so honestly. He, like, kind of shoves Jerry. Get a random child. Yeah, right? Come on. Just imagine, like, randomly, pushing Santa over. It's pretty funny. I know, right? And he randomly, he kind of vaguely shoves Jerry O'Connell. But Jerry O'Connell, again, center of mass, so intense, kind of just sways a little bit. Like, like, like a, one of those, like, boxing things where he just kind of, like, pops right out. Like, what? And then, like, comes immediately, like, <laughs> like he's just, like, flexing, basically. And the guy takes off trying to run away and, like, literally gets... I, I did appreciate this. I'm like, please don't tell me they're going to have, like, a chase scene because I don't believe this for a second. <laughs> because he gets, like, maybe ten feet and Jerry O'Connell tackles him like an all-star quarterback that he is. And he just crushes him into the ground and then t- takes a swing at him for no reason just because he's fucking... Yeah, he's just a one, like punch just because he can it was great like the intense physicality of that was really really great because i feel like obviously this character is a little more dweeby but he's still obviously very attractive in shape dude so i just felt like oh okay we're gonna acknowledge that he's in really good shape because sometimes these types of shows like play that off like you know they have the ben stiller effect where it's like i'm a goofy weirdo well that's because ben stiller's body shouldn't exist exactly (laughs) (laughs) it's weird so when they they happen to pretend like oh I'm just, like, this goofy, awkward dude. And then, like, secretly ripped. Like, no, I don't buy that. This, at least, they acknowledge, like, yeah, I'm fucking secretly ripped. <laughs> and I'm gonna tackle this dude, like, full speed. When um, when I did rewatch um, sl- uh, Sliders from the beginning, though, like, you could tell, like, you know, uh, season one, where he's wearing all the baggy clothes. Season two, let's give Jerry Connell more shirtless scenes. Something to do. <laughs> and then the third season, okay, really tight shirts now. Like, nice. I was telling you about episode, like, in season two, where, like, uh, he's being experimented on, yep. and that's the first time in the show where they show him shirtless, and you're like, yep. whoa, where did like, that come from? Yeah, hello, Again, Quinn. <laughs> Jerry O'Connell, pretty nice specimen. <laughs> so they, they, they tackle the, the guy down, and he's just basically, boom. And then, of course, you get the terrible punchline, like, Law and Order style from the professor, <laughs> where he goes, well... It is Christmas, and it's tis better to give than to receive. And I was just like, like shut up, professor. <laughs> Dumbass. And, uh, so then they, uh, afterwards, they all go back to the dad's slash yeah, Kelly's house. Yeah, now it's really. time to celebrate Christmas, and Kelly has officially give, forsaken her power suits, and she, like, ha- her hair is exactly the same as Wade's now, so it gets very hard, like, so- in, like, but when they're showing, like, shots from behind, it's like, I know, right? this is the same person. And it's, and this is where I wasn't sure about the whole, like, could they just stay here? Because she seems to be having a blast, but I guess not, obviously. But, um, they, they all kind of, like, <laughs> sit around the fire, and then they make a nice comment. Again, you're saying the feminism angle, which is nice, where she's like, women get to relax while the guys clean up. That's nice. Sister hang. <laughs> and they kind of just sat there and, and like, talk about little things. They don't really even get into it. I guess in between now and, and the previous scene, they must have had, like, a, mm-hmm. a gab session about what the hell's going on with their, like, time travel slash space travel slash all that stuff. But... You know, they they don't really. They just kind of react to it in passing. Yeah, and Wade tells uh, Kelly not to tell her dad who she is because this is so intense. This line where he says he lost me once already. I don't want him to have to go through it again. I mean, it's his fault. Can we be honest about that? Whoa! How is it his fault that he lost her? What? Yikes, Latoya! Wait, what? <laughs> oh wait, I thought you were talking about Kelly. No, no, I'm talking about oh, Wade. Wait, I was like, yikes! I don't think he had anything to do with the mom dying, the child inside of her. Although but... I thought she was talking about like her original dad. Mm, oh, is it? Maybe. 
I guess that's right. That's right. I, thought. I didn't even think. I thought he was talking about this dad. No, she's she, definitely talking could, about this dad with you know losing her as a baby. You know. Yeah, you know, I think that's what. That. He, that's a, Although I it could was, be either dad. It could be either that, dad. That's true. Yeah, double meaning. That's the not? double meaning of it. Yeah, yeah but yeah, I yeah. I read it as that, which I was like, oh, that's super dark because but, he did lose her as a child. So. But I also feel like it's. I mean, if if she's gonna tell Kelly to tell her dad afterwards, it's like it's the no, same feeling. Exactly. She's telling him her to tell him about what the sliding and everything is, not that she is Wade. His daughter. Got it. I hope so. She yeah. specifically says, "Don't tell him," because it's just yeah. Cause that's when she says okay, that line. Okay, okay, that confused me a little bit, but that makes mm-hmm. sense. Sure. Yeah, yep. yeah. And so, um, they, uh, they, <laughs> this is the scene. They, they, well, they wrap that up. Then first of all, <laughs> first of all, so Professor tells Carol like the rest of the story about his father. Oh no. God. Uh-huh. This scene was gibberish. I don't understand any of it. I don't understand what he was Tuned saying. Out. Okay, it wasn't just me then. I thought I was like, I'm like, I know, this is classic Mara where I can't even tell you the rest of that story. He says, okay, so she, he's talking to Carol and she says, did your father ever come back to you after the war? And, he, and then instead of answering the fucking question, he says, well, it was post-war England and I had a great, th- I'm like, well, you're an asshole. You didn't even answer what she just said. And he's like, in post-war England, there was no toys anywhere. <laughs> And uh, uh, my father once it was a, it was a splendid Christmas. He made a toy for me. Uh, he God, you have the worst car. accent work I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Better he than not. mine, surely. Yes. Sure. I don't but, even know. But he's he he made a toy car with his hands, basically, and his hands were shaking when he delivered it to him. Tears in his eyes, and he looked up, and it's the first time he knew his daddy was home. Which a couple things here. One, I never want to hear John Reese Davies say the word daddy again in my life. <laughs> Secondly. What does that mean? Does he mean that his his father and him had a good Christmas and he only found out his father was home when he walked up with that present? I guess? But, like, he, he describes it as if the dad was home already and then made him a present and then it was only once he had finished carving the present that he knew his father was home? So is he talking about, like, PTSD or I something? I think he's talking about PTSD. Okay, so it was very vague, though, and he just kind of, like, drifted off into, like, staring, like, oh, those were the days. Back and like, he picks up her baby England. and makes the oh. baby start crying. Oh, God, that was so creepy. And then on what top of all that, move. yeah. He's like, hey, he's like, can I say goodbye to this little one? And the baby the is, is quiet and just calm, and then he picks the baby up and then starts, starts, starts wailing, bloody murder, it's which is fantastic. like how anyone would react to like having to be hugged by John Reese Davies' baby. <laughs> but he immediately hands the child off to Rembrandt to and makes yeah. him sing which Silent like, Night. I hate that because this lady has only had this baby. It's a, it's a newborn, more or less. It's not old. It's not like a toddler or anything. It's got to be like <laughs> you know, the old baby. <laughs> yeah, old baby. Out. It's not a toddler or anything. It's like got to be under a year or two, and so you cannot just decide, like. You're not the person who gets to decide who you're handing the baby off to. You're today. not the baby's father. Exactly. Right. You ask like, the mom, or you give it to the mom, and then... then you really, the baby and make it start sobbing. Let Remy come up and offer to sing to it. Don't put it in his hands in front of the mom like you're in charge of the baby. It made me so mad. And so Remy sings Silent Night all intense, and everyone, like, gets super emotional. And then, like... Afterwards, then we have to dissolve to like after everything. Afterwards, because it's so emotional, they couldn't like end the song. Uh, they they cut to them all the family a photo. photo, and Kelly takes it. I'm like, Kelly what? takes the family photo. Why wouldn't Why would Jerry O'Connell wait, or one of them offer to take it? And like, waited her not dead. Like he has his arm like wrapped around her, creepily stuff. around her. Again, still not sure he wasn't hitting on her. But... You're not like ugh. and um, he's the worst father in the world. And so they take they take the photo and leave, and then everyone like pairs off and gives like their goodbye hugs and kisses, oh, including the creepiest fucking kiss between John Reese Davies and Carol. 
Carl, where he open mouth pecks her for like a solid like seven seconds. And Jeez, it is I read my notes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I didn't know this is what we were doing. No, exactly. My notes were just question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Like what? He didn't even kiss the baby first. He just kisses her. <laughs> like it was weird. It like, really came out of nowhere. So it there's was like cheek kissing all around, and he, the, there's just lip action with these two. <laughs> like, wait, what? I, I was read everything me, that was happening. Someone tells me uh, maybe John Reese Davies has this contract that he only does lip kissing. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right, never working with him again. No. <laughs> but like, yeah, yeah. I, did you? Who watches this episode of television and thinks, oh yeah, I hope they get together? <laughs> Nobody! I don't None. think the, I think even the woman was probably like, ah, no. <laughs> I wish she was like, wait, how, how does this happen? What was point A to point B? She seems kind of shocked by it. She's like, oh. <laughs> like, maybe that was she off script. Like, she should like, be into it too. I'm so... Do you guys think you went off script and just kissed her? Like, <laughs> No one no one was going for the cheek. Like, <sighs> Yeah, it's weird. I mean, if anybody I was kiss on the left should be waiting her dad because... <laughs> Oh, God, I, that. I was expecting Quinn to like kiss Kelly. Right, it didn't happen. At, at and least I'm like, that would make sense, you know. Well, that's, that's, like, that's the weird like like reversal where it cuts to Quinn and her, and they kind of like awkwardly say goodbye, and you're thinking, oh, they're gonna kiss, and then it cuts. To I assume it's like a mistletoe situation or something. Yeah, but yeah then or something. You get professor and so it's basically like uh-huh. they get, like you're waiting, waiting for them to kiss, and then boom, the professor kisses. You're like, ah, oh! like <laughs> I don't want this. And then they all just like skip away to the the portal. Like, gotta go. And the dad is just totally nonplussed by a, a literal, like, portal to another universe opening up in their front yard. <laughs> like, the, yeah, this is, like, a thing that happens. The hilarious Goodbye. thing is that's actually through for most of the episodes. They're no one like, freaks oh, out. there's a portal. Cool. Like, all right. No way. There's people going through the portal. All right. <laughs> Good God. It's kind of weird, but, and yeah. And they, uh, they all I, say I'm goodbye. I'm furious about the ending. Yeah, that's the it. That's the episode. Merry and Christmas. the lack thereof. Like, peace out. The wrong people kiss. It's a little traumatizing. Yep. I would take I would take Jerry O'Connell kissing everyone over what happened. <laughs> even even if you I would take been... Quinn kissing Carol despite like the lack of interaction. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly, if that had happened, I would have been like, well, you know, you, at least you, that makes some sense. Here's what should happen: there should be Jerry mistletoe, O'Connell. and you see Professor going in for the kiss, and then Quinn just like ducks in and kisses Carol instead. That'd be great. And just or, or kisses the professor, just does it. I don't know. That's what I want. But so, uh, yeah, that's the episode. That's, yeah. <laughs> don't let this deter you from watching the show, as it no, was not myself. No, it's fun. Having There's seen some it. some crazy episodes. That's so I mean, watch this episode just so you can be like, see if you can see a natural progression to Carol and the professor kissing, because we could not. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> I feel like the professor wanted to stay there and, like, raise that child as his own. For no I mean, reason other than being handed t- it in a church. And touching the child makes it, like, sob uncontrollably. Yeah, it's creepy as hell. And then so, the baby stopped crying as soon as it, like, was in Reverend's hands. The baby knew what was up, that's all. <laughs> there was an earlier line in the episode, though, where he's like, oh, I've delivered one of these before. It actually happened two episodes earlier where he delivered Rembrandt's baby because Rembrandt was carrying the baby. What? And so, that's what he actually mentions in oh this episode. God, I didn't even watch this damn show. <laughs> <laughs> what he mentions yes. is like, I delivered a baby not too long ago. It's talking yep. about that. Yep, exactly. So, so Rembrandt left behind a kid? Well, his double was there, so... Oh, his double. But still, that's like his kid. That's tough. It, there's, yeah. There's probably there's, other... I don't know, that's sad. That's hard. I, I understand leaving your family behind is tough, but leaving behind a kid you just had? That must be intense. That's sad. 
But yeah, I was surprised he, honestly, partly I was surprised he didn't pull like a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what's his name? Holt? From Angel and just try and take the kid with him. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. To the hell dimension, yep. Yep, I would not have put it past him. <laughs> I mean, I was getting some, like, uh, major, just, like, Pylea vibes. Yes! About slider, sliders again. Yes, I love it. All right. Hey, well, do you want me to read a bunch of, like, crazy stuff that happened behind the scenes on sliders? Please do. Oh, yes. <laughs> do you want to know first why Jerry and Charlie O'Connell left the, uh, the show, or do you want to know why Sabrina Lloyd left the show? Uh, anything. Give me it all. <laughs> okay, let's go with Sabrina. Okay. The, be- the beginning of Sabrina Lloyd's woes began in late season three production when Carrie Wurrer came on uh, board, but it's not in the way you think. When Carrie came on Sliders as a regular cast member, she reportedly viewed crew, crew members as serfs, as opposed to the stars who were the lords, Whoa. and Carrie treated the crew in kind. Even though Carrie and Sabrina did not get along well to begin with, the major sticking point between the two was the fact that Sabrina was engaged to one of the Sliders crew members at the time. One day during a script read, though, Carrie made a snide comment about Sabrina's relationship, and this subsequently made Sabrina leave in tears to lock herself in her trailer. And thus, Sabrina held a production even though she wasn't totally at fault. Uh, to see allusions to more of Carrie's attitude, be starting to check out this Night Magazine interview. Though Carrie doesn't name names, it's obvious that she's referring to Sabrina Lloyd in her comments about the actress who allegedly forgave her years later. Now, we enter season four negotiations. At the nexus of these talks was David Peckinpah, the uh, executive producer, the only production-level survivor from the Fox years, which, think about that. An entire behind-the-scenes crew is disappears but one producer. <laughs> That's insane. That is yeah. insane. Yeah. Um... In fact, David had a hand in getting Carrie on the show to begin with. Oh, yeah, I read a really creepy quote from him about her. Uh, as Sci-Fi began to contemplate what they wanted to do with the series, the thought was that the show worked better with three male, one female dynamic, and Peck and Paul was reinforcing this as he could. Sci-Fi finally decided to go back to that dynamic, and they told Peck that it didn't really matter to them which female lead they kept. This is when Peck and Paul went to work. He told Sci-Fi about how Sabrina had actually held production in Season 3 for a time, thus costing money. Sabrina was also at the time asking for a raise because Jerry and Clavant had both gotten one. And uh, Carrie wasn't asking for a raise at that time. Probably because she just joined the show. That's my own two cents. Another cost saver. Finally, it all came down to one day in Peck's office when Sabrina finally went in and told Peck and Pop Point Black, it's Carrie or me. Peck and Pop looked her straight in the face and said, Carrie. And so Sabrina left. Jesus but Christ. Peck and Pop wasn't finished. He kicked Sabrina one last time by condemning her character to, per- to perpetual rape in a Cro-Mag breeding camp. And yes, it was solely him who forced that idea. Peckinpah was cited in TV Guide online interview as thinking it was a funny situation to put her in. And as for the proof of the relationships here, Carrie made similar comments about the funny, uh, how funny the breeding camp scenario was at a chat around the same time. Peckinpah's original plan was just to have the breeding camp for Cro-Mag uh, kicks. It was the one. It was the other producers who later gave a purpose to the camp. Uh, this is why the uh, Humags were not seen until episode twelve of the series. The producers had been fighting Peck to allow them to edit. To add reason to it for the entire time prior. That's insane. In season five, production decided to resolve Wade's character due to fan inquiries and demands. Sabrina Lloyd won forty thousand dollars to appear in the episode. However, uh, that which was Clavon's uh, salary per episode, production would not pay this. The negotiation continues, and Sabrina finally agreed to do voiceovers to the episode, which took up less of her time uh, from Sports Night and didn't cost as much for production. Jesus Christ! Although officially, it was. It was. They were saying she wanted to focus on other projects. That's why she left. Jeez, yeah, that's, that's like... insane. Would you? I, I can read you the creepy quote from uh, Peck and Paw about one Carrie thing, which was uh, Peck and Paw's influence can be seen throughout season five. For instance, Peck and Paw has been quoted at the time as saying, "I see Carrie in tight leather with motorcycles. Go with it." That was just like his idea for the episode. 
This meant to would later shape into the episode Easy Slider. Oh. Yeah, like, oh. if you, like, if you watch her episodes, like, it's uh, just a, a lot of reason just to objectify a character. Great. Yeah. Oh, Always man. a good thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, God. And so what's, so the other ones left, for what reason? They also just got... Oh, yeah, because everyone but, like, Clavant left the show, basically, so... Everyone uh, but who? Everyone but, but uh, Rembrandt. Rembrandt. Oh, okay. So, why did It was just Carrie Werner and him? Yeah, and then some other randos. How did they all leave? <laughs> well, they didn't all get raped, that's for sure. I know, okay, but So, I- why did Jerry and Charlie O'Connell leave Sliders? To fully understand this, one must go back to the summer of ni- summer of 1998. What? After an unexpectedly uh, successful season four of Sliders on Sci-Fi Channel, the channel was left in somewhat of a quandary. The strategy was to run Sliders for a season with the intention to pull over around half of the fans to sci-fi programming. This is why there's such a long period of reruns from around uh, October of 98 to March of 99. Sci-fi was wanting to encourage Sliders fans to try out their other uh, programming while waiting for new episodes, and also hold the last quarter of season four to air with a new series they had planned, like Farscape, uh, First Wave, Poltergeist, The Legacy. The problem? It didn't really work as they hoped. In fact, uh, one of their shows, Welcome to Paradox, was a failure and soon canceled, even though it was their Sliders companion. And in fact, First Wave and Poltergeist failed by holding ratings akin to Welcome to Paradise until the end of its first season, well after Sliders was canceled. The thing was, apparently, uh, Sci-Fi didn't actually plan to make a season 5, they just bought it just so they could have those ratings help them, Mm -hmm. but that didn't work. Uh, So how does this weigh on Jerry and Charlie leaving their characters of Quinn and Colin to no resolution? Well, Sci-Fi didn't plan to do season 5, they'd allocated their money to thinking there would be no season 5. The money went out to acquire Begin, uh, Begin, Farscape, Poltergeist, First Wave, and Sci-Fi's entire, like, brand makeover. But when reports came in on the ratings, Sci-Fi began, they realized they couldn't let Sliders go. Way to, like, fail upwards, guys. Yeah. Oh my god. Sliders are still their number one show, with Farscape nipping on its heels, but Sci-Fi had to find the money and see what they could do. This took time. In fact, the deliberation ran over the end of the Sliders actors' contracts by three weeks. During this time, the actors were free to go to other projects with no obligations to Sci-Fi. During this uh, three-week layover, Jerry signed up for another project, an NBC miniseries called The 60s. That was to begin filming the same week Slider Season 5 production was later to be slated to start, near the end of September 1988. Jerry did offer to come back, however, for, for a price. Since the middle of uh, Season 4 production, Jerry had wanted to be executive producer of Sliders, understandable, and Jerry took the opportunity to use this leverage uh, the, c- the contract situation had given him. Jerry put forward that he would only come back for Slider Season 5 if they made him executive producer. The powers that be did not feel Jerry was experienced enough for that position. Which is actually, re- given, like, nowadays, it's ridiculous. Yeah. ridiculous. After, after yeah. four seasons, he wouldn't be, con- like, considered, like, re- reasonable enough for And it wasn't even producer. like it was, like, Slider's prime. It was, like, Slider's later season. So what do you expect yeah. to have happen there? He's, he he's the lead of your show, and, and there's already four other seasons, producers. and it's, it's a not, hit. Like, he's not the sole producer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what right, is the exactly. issue here? Yeah, as an acting executive, actor, executive producer, it's, it makes sense. Stupid. See, they didn't feel he was experienced enough for their position. What, what a all... loss for them, my god. Okay, apparently they had let him just become a regular producer the year before, but, like, at this point, like, in TV, like, they allow you to be become executive producer right off the bat, basically, if, yeah. you're, if you've been on the show time. for, like, years. Yeah. Also, production had already bent over backwards for Jerry... Uh, by allowing him to write, direct, star, produce, and even slide a family member into a job when there were other people at the game. What? Who? Who was this? Charlie O'Connell. His brother, like, his, Charlie O'Connell was a series regular, oh despite Charlie O'Connell being a terrible actor. Yeah, later <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. That's hilarious. He literally his brother. Oh yeah. Oh my god. 
<laughs> he was the bachelor, right? Yeah. Oh Some... my god, I just realized that! <laughs> Jesus. Alright, continue. Yikes. The, Charlie O'Connell's entire career is, is, yeah. is nepotism at work. Jesus. Go ahead. Production was still offering all these things to Jerry along with a raise, just as they gave Clavant and Carrie. Oh, so Carrie got, eventually got a raise <laughs> after all that nonsense. <clears throat> but Jerry would take no less than executive producer. Lines were drawn and neither party would budge, so Jerry decided to leave. But Jerry did offer to do three episodes to close out his character, which is it's reasonable. Production said that wouldn't be enough. And then mentioned how with Jerry leaving, they really had no use for his brother anymore either, since Charlie was only there because of Jerry. Jerry wanted uh, Charlie to stay for all 18 episodes of uh, season 5, though, so negotiations continued. Finally, an agreement was reached that Jerry would do six episodes of season 5, and production agreed. They also then told him his brother would only be doing six as well, only stay as long as Jerry did. This was not what Jerry negotiated so, for, since but, he won his brother in all 18 episodes. So was his brother playing, like, his brother in the show? It's like his brother, like, from an alternate universe. Okay, that's fine, because like, he looks so much like him, I was like, I hope to God he was at least playing, like, mm-hmm. some version of himself or something. Okay, continue. <laughs> so yeah, so both he and his brother left the table in silence. These producers didn't seem to realize that he wanted his so terrible acting brother to be in all of Everybody? <clears throat> Well, but our story doesn't end here. I, oh I love I love who wrote these because I, I love how intriguing it is. Our I know, story doesn't end that's here. Crazy. And I knew there was a lot of like you know behind the scenes stuff, but I never really looked it up. So that's, we still that's have really to helpful. read about John Reese Davies leaving. Oh, <laughs> Jesus goodness. Christ! Uh, production was then left with the problem of wrapping up Quinn and Colin without the actors. Their first idea was to use unused footage from season four to show Quinn and Colin morphing into crow mags. <laughs> she was oh, presumably course. showing they had been replaced by Cro-Mags sometime in season four. Oh, Jerry caught wind of this and had his lawyers place a legal block on the use of his image ah, and voice from prior seasons. Good it was for a simple, him. Yeah, it was a simple contract. Jerry Connell's no strong Honestly, guys. <laughs> I'm team Jerry O'Connell besides the fact that he's like forcing his terrible acting brother on the show. That's yeah. the well, only thing I don't he, agree with. He just needs his brother to eat. That's, his, that's what he gonna do. His, like residuals, man. Yeah. And, yeah, so that's how we ended up with stunt doubles and a voice obviously not Jerry's in the season five premiere. That's crazy. After m- much more negotiation through Jerry's agent, Jerry uh, did allow the use of his image in the next to last episode of the series, but he still review- refused to appear personally. Officially, Sci Fi Channel says that Jerry and Charlie moved on to pursue movie careers. On the other hand, Jerry Official says at an October 1999 AOL chat that he left because Sci Fi substantially cut the budget and he felt the show could no longer be done for that amount. Which is strange, since Sorry? season four and five had com- com- comparable budgets. Clavon and Carrie were even given raises when Jerry was still being counted for as being on board. So strange. And so wait, John Reese Davies. What happened to John Reese Davies? First of all, <laughs> the huge misconception with John Reese Davies' situation is that he left uh, because uh, he was actually fired. No, it was that he left. He was actually fired. He John was. has only admitted this once in public, a Sci-Fi Universe article from August 1988. Whoa. How could this happen, you ask? Well, John's outspoken criticism of the writers and their general lack of creativity and intelligence oh. is well documented. Well, but that wasn't enough I'm not to get him. By that, but... No, no. <laughs> but that wasn't enough to get him fired because only really? one of the higher article Trinity was against him. Elementary production such as David Peckinpah wanted him gone. Peckinpah's a piece of shit, that's what I'm getting from this. Wanted him gone due to John's constant creative criticism, but Universal and Fox saw no reason to fire John. At least, and not not until December of 1996. Oh my god. In December of 1996, a certain Fox employee gained a, gained a promotion to become an upper-level Fox executive. In fact, he was given control of a large segment of Fox programming, including sliders. 
this Fox employee had hosted a Fox party a couple of years ago, uh, a couple of years before, when Sliders was first beginning, and John was there. Uh-oh. Allegedly, a very Uh-oh. drunk John who targeted and quite humiliated that Fox John. employee. Uh-oh. This is a revenge situation. <laughs> One of the first things the new Fox executive with his new power was review the shows under his control, and he found John's name on the list. <laughs> Remembering the party from years before, the new Fox executive vowed that John was not going to work on this any is, show under his control. This is wow. literally like Shakespearean. I so, know. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy for like Slaughters, which I know it was a well-received show, but like to me it was still kind of just like a, a random There was shit going show. on backstage. My so God. with Peckinpah and his brood now teaming with the new Fox exec, they were able to <laughs> sufficiently convince Fox and Universal that John had to go. And so even though John was originally contracted for all 25 episodes of season three, he was fired and released from his contract. Oh, shit. As a final jab at John, the writers offered to make a story by John uh, named Exodus in his final episode. The problem is, was that the writers so radically changed it that you can barely recognize it. It was one final way to show John just who knew what they were doing. Also, it is often said that you can tell what prediction holds must not be to an actor's partner because the writers kill the character in a horrible way or give him some horrible fate. Well, Professor <laughs> Arbitro had his brain sucked out, was then shot, and oh lastly left on a planet that blew up. I believe it's easy to see. I'm not exaggerating on the hate that led to the firing of John. My John God. thought that he would not return to players as long as Peck and Paul had a hand in the show. Unfortunately, the claw of Peck remained throughout the, the rest of the, show of the series. And so, Professor Arturo was lost to all but the occasional remembrance in passing conversation. Wow. Officially, Fox and John Reese we say that he left over creative differences. Well, it Which sounds like at least that's true. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but Damn, extreme. wow. Yeah, these behind-the-scenes stuff. I mean, Lin-Manuel Miranda, where's my Broadway show about this? Come on I now. know, right? Goodness like the, gracious. The rise and fall of the cast of Slider. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Great! It is no, it's great. awesome. It's fantastic. It's like it meeting up really on. Appreciate yeah, it's like meeting up good. on all of the French, uh, the f- the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, uh, you know, behind the scenes stuff. Oh God, yeah, so, Jesus. good stuff. Well, good stuff. <laughs> obviously, this Peck and Paw character yeah. seems like the worst person in the world, which <laughs> makes no sense why this person is running the show because there was another co-creator, uh, uh, Tracy Torm. So why did Tracy Torm leave Sliders? I don't know. So, Peckinpah, there's no relation to Sam Peckinpah, I'm assuming. I hope not. I know, that's all, fingers crossed, because yikes. But, alright. Well, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, Tracy uh, Torme, I guess, is the one who actually had the vision for Sliders and the reason that it was as good as it was, and, like, had a plan. um, And Peckinpah just cared about Carrie War and, like, skin-tight leather, you know? I saw when I originally looked up the the show, I think also John Landis and others were, were producers or something at one point, right? So... They had a lot of cooks. Really? Yeah, I saw that he was involved. Um, so there's a lot of people I think that had like their their pots in the fire, but it sounds like Peck and Paul just sort of took control and then threw everything out the window. So they should have probably tried to, to piece it together a little bit better than they did. Oh, I think Landis was like a consultant. Yeah. So which is I mean, to me at least like please like bring other people in. It sounds like this one person being in charge was a disaster from the minute it started. But God, yeah, the Peck. Shit. Well, rest in peace, David Peckinpah. He died 2006. Oh, rip. <laughs> so, um, what yeah. Is, what is David Peckinpah, like, what was his career like? Besides it was Silk Stockings. Silk Stockings, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is understandable. But, like, you can't turn sliders into Silk Stockings, which is what he wanted. Yeah, I don't know. He, I think he probably just wanted to relive that moment of... Did some know. Farscape. 
Oh, he's the oh did OG Beauty and the Beast. Oh, he's the nephew of Sam Peckinpah. Oh, so there is a relation. Damn it. Well, that also explains his career. He's the Charlie O'Connell. His, oh, his no. long-ass name, David Edward Samuel Ernest Peckinpah the oh, Third. Oh, God. Let, that makes sense. Let's blame it for non-nepotism, can we? Oh, God. All right, well, so... That's that was sliders, guys. That's a crazy show, crazy backstory. It's, I'm, I'll link you guys to this behind the scenes stuff. It's, it's so excellent. good. Read it. But yeah, sliders. It's on Netflix. Do so it. Good. Netflix Watch and Hulu it. Plus. It's great. Yeah. Uh, so Latoya, what's up with you? Let's get the plug. So what's up with you, Latoya? I'm fucking sliders. <laughs> Nothing else. Nothing else. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Lafergs, then you can know where to find my writing because I'm tweeting about it, so. sliders. <laughs> sliders reboots. Look, look at Latoya's I mean, Twitter. I, She'll be the first I, to let you know what happens. I, I need to be on that staff. I swear uh, to God, if there needs to be a sliders reboot, and I need to be on that staff. Do it. Um. Okay. So awesome. And what's up with you, Ryan? Not much, but again, you can find me on Twitter. Sort of that guy. So I'll go. Awesome. Yep. And as always, I am at Mari on Twitter. I am recapping, um, I'm, well, I'm pretty much almost done recapping for now, um, iZombie and uh, uh, Supergirl for the winter, um, and then The Vampire Diaries with a friend of the show, Lisa Easton, and then the next episode of this show will be another Season's Greetings episode. Uh, it's Lois and Clark, Season 2, Episode 9, so stay tuned. happy we're on the worst in the 90s. <laughs> oh yeah, 90s. <laughs> All 90s, this whole Christmas. Um, oh, 90s, 90s Christmas. Uh, but so, yeah, so so stay tuned for that. You can find us on Twitter at The Televoid. You can rate, subscribe, review us on iTunes. And in the meantime, thanks for wandering into The Televoid, guys. Happy uh, Christmas Happy season. season's greetings. <laughs> Happy holidays. Happy war holidays. on Christmas. I'm sorry. <laughs> hashtag war on Christmas. Hashtag take God out of Christmas. <laughs> hashtag Pete Jericano. Hashtag Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs>